Hello and welcome to The Lavender Menace. I am your co-host, Renaissance, and I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing listening to the new album that, of course, we are going to talk about today. So much so that I realized, Sunny, I didn't even ask if we had a hot take for this episode. Are we doing an actual episode or are we just talking getting into nights. the album? But I think that I'll we let you introduce yourself. should just talk Midnight's, even though our literal previous okay. episode is us just talking Lavender Haze Gate. But the thing is, yeah. is that like, unfortunately... It was, was the episode before that where we talk about her, her announcing the new album. Was yes. that a regular episode? Yeah, that was a regular okay, episode. Okay. That was a regular okay. episode. I was like, if we do three consecutive bonus like 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 exclusive special <laughs> yeah. edition episodes that would be crazy but no 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 only two yeah yeah yeah. because this one that you're listening three to, is where we draw the line right this one that you're listening to right now we're just talking mm-hmm. midnight's one before that it was the it was midnight's mayhem with me stuff and then before that it was yeah. like literally us finding out about the announcement and then we already had planned to discuss some lesbian movies so you know but this time around yeah we really gotta just talk this fucking album because just the other night me and renaissance got on zoom 12 a.m my time 9 p.m their time mm-hmm. and we streamed it all the way through three hours later she fucking mm-hmm. drops a bomb on us and it's actually 20 songs seven bonus tracks on the 3 a.m mm-hmm. edition okay sick we do that again um and if you are <laughs> we did that. rinse and repeat literally of the insanity if you are a patreon thank you so much and we also have like a patreon bonus mm-hmm. like recorded and edited version of us live reacting to this album yeah. and also the 3 a.m edition for the five dollar tier and above it's like honestly it's we you see the insanity and psychosis in our eyes in like a very serious way. Like <laughs> you can see our brain chemistry being changed. Like fundamentally, like because we're listening to it's like the music just dropped and we're like, like it's like you yeah, yeah. no the, the the blocks the building blocks of our like the molecules that make up our being they're shifting. <laughs> And it's on Zoom, and you can see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, literally. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you followed us on Twitter the night of any of the accounts, both of our personals plus the pod account, yeah, you, we were live tweeting that shit like it was fucking, oh. like... I mean, I'm still tweeting. I think, I think I made one tweet about the weather today just so that all of the past, like, 150 yeah. tweets yeah, of yeah, mine yeah. were not... No, truly, the past 72 hours has just been midnight stuff on my end. Like, like, I, like my I'm so sorry. My entire timeline. My like, whole... I, like, I gained, like, mm-hmm. 100 new Gaylor followers. Like, it's honestly, oh, like, so, I just like, checked, and, like, I just got, like, you know how they collect them? Like, yeah. my last, like, bunch is, like, four account. And I'm like, why have I been getting so many followers recently? And then I finally open up the notification, and it's all Gaylors and Swifties followers. No, like literally. I should have taken a screenshot of my follower account like before midnight. So the idea of Taylor and Zoe sitting down and writing the lyric, I can feel the lavender haze like creeping up on me, is like I'm damned if I I damned if I do give a damn what people say. Like, okay. They were literally scissoring in the studio (laughs) writing that song. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Please, please. 
please. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. So basically, as okay. we do with our album review episodes, if you've been around mm-hmm. the block with the Lavender Menace, if you've been here since season three, two, yeah. one, you know, with TS10, we're gonna go bottom to top with our album ranking. But you know, mm-hmm. of course, our preface is like at the end of the day, we love Taylor Swift so much, so yes. so much. It's actually, like, I can't even put into words how much I love her. I mean, you tweeted that you just said, I love her so much to no one in my, like, empty room or whatever. I don't know if it made it, it, it if it was in the three hours that we weren't recording or if it was, where I'm just like, I think I love Taylor Swift. Yes, it was. It made it into the final cut of uh, the bonus episode yeah. reaction, by the way, so. <laughs> yeah. So, like... All, All of these songs fun. are beloved, and we're actually going to do, mm-hmm. like, a lyric analysis of each one of these songs. Should we do that after? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I think that with listening to Taylor albums specifically, and, like, with listening to Taylor mm-hmm. Swift music, <laughs> there's, like, three ways to go about it, right? There is yeah. the first way is just, like, the emotional, like, self-interpretation, right? Like, when I was listening to it, I was like, oh my god, this is so real because of my situationship, A, B, and C, whatever, right? Like, wow, Mm -hmm. like, this is so real, like, heartbreak, OMG, like, wow, she's so, she's my soul sister, AF, like, I also hate myself, right? Like, that, there's that one perspective. And then we have the perspective Uh of, like, queer lyric analysis, like, literally the textual shit, like, why does she say violets, (laughs) <laughs> that's crazy girl that's crazy why does she say hairpin trigger like interesting shit point. like that right and also all the various ways you could interpret her use of pronouns throughout this t- like this this album is is he- heavy with the pronoun shit bro it's crazy you yeah. them she her him his like girl pronouns she's in bio? dipping into the pansexual allegation pronouns yeah. in bio like af like please <laughs> and then the third interpretation i think is like the mm-hmm. kayler-esque like real life shipping type stuff where it's like you can yeah t- try to delineate the sort of real life relationships that she could be referencing and of course you get into yeah. slippery territory there because obviously none of us actually know her where ju- it's all hashtag speculation even if you don't think she's gay like Okay, it's been so funny seeing across the timeline, like, Hetlers or just people who, you know, listen to Taylor Swift or are Swifties, you know? Hashtag Swifties TM and not in, like, our way. Um, not in a, I yeah. love, you know, uh, basically, yeah, yeah, those yeah. people. We know, we know. <laughs> you see my vision. Like, those people yeah. have been insane about assigning certain songs to be about, cert- like, her different male exes, Calvin Harris, Tom Hiddleston, and whatever. I'm like, Harry Styles, like, what? Are you being fucking for real right I, now? Like, are you being serious? The, yeah. <laughs> the only one that I think is obvious and isn't a hashtag explanation is John Mayer. Would have, could have, should have about John Mayer. Yeah, because yeah. she says she was 19. Like, you know, come on now. Yeah. But even then, that's not even like a explanation because that's something that really did happen to her that she is talking about. And that's one of her think, actual like named in text exes. Like she literally has a song called yes. Dear John. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I think like that is different than thinking maroon 
is about fucking Joe Alvin? But Carly Kloss. Like, well, people, okay, it's interesting because some people think it's a Swift Grand song. Like, some people think it's like a Diana Agron yeah. song. But that's a small yeah. section of the Gaylers. And I think a lot of people think it's about Carly Kloss. But we'll get into like the more yeah. lyric stuff after we get into like our, the first, the first layer, which is our like emotional reactions and thoughts and how we feel yeah. about the songs. And then, of course, like the queer textual analysis and, of course, our little tidbits of like what we think they could po- potentially be about because unlike yeah. the archers podcast we don't we, <laughs> name, names. <laughs> we, we name names we're not afraid of tree pain april uh, we 29th will... where were you <laughs> <laughs> no i'm like why bring it up if you're not gonna tell me taylor um you know, we participate in light jesting, some light bullying here and there. It's so funny because the non-Swifty, non-Gaylor dykes in my life have even, in the rollout of Midnight's, have been like, why does she look so gay, like, in this shit? And I'm like, literally, if you don't want to be called dyke, don't look like one. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> you know, and I think the same way. It's so easy to also not look like a lesbian or to not look gay. That when yeah. you do in this day and age, you have to know <laughs> what you're Own doing. It. Come on now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Be, oh, be for real. Number okay. 20 on my tier ranking list, which if you've watched, if you're a patron and you've watched our live reaction, this is actually the same mm-hmm. as my like 13th for our, you know, initial, like when we just thought this album was 13 right. songs as opposed to 20. So, I mean, of course my ranking actually, has- I didn't even- think to consult my original ranking when doing my new one. Well, I wasn't really consulting it, but I was like, if I compared them side by side, I'm sure they would be different in some ways and very similar in others, but I also haven't really thought about it. But number 20 is Sweet Nothing for me. Interesting. And it's sweet. Yeah, I think that's I I literally think that's what I said when you said it. Yeah, the first night you said interesting. (laughs) Well, okay. The thing is, is that what I really like about the song is how towards the two thirds Mm -hmm. point or halfway point, there's a sax bit Mm -hmm. that's so yummy, delicious to my ears. Like I fucking love sax in a pop song like that gets me every time oh i thought i saw a tweet that was like midnight's is for false god enjoyers and like literally literally and false god is one of my top like three favorite taylor swift songs of all time in our archers collab episode Mm -hmm. where we like ranked our top favorite songs of all time from taylor i -hmm. definitely put false god up there and like i stand by that like that's one of my favorite taylor swift songs of all time and this Mm -hmm. album just it sounds like false god it sounds like dress it sounds like Mm -hmm. what's the song on reputation where she's like on the on the bridge and all at once you are the one I have been waiting. Oh, King, King of, of my, my heart. heart. Body and soul. Yes. Yeah. It sounds yes, like. it does. King of my heart. It sounds like dress. It sounds like false God. And. Yeah. Those are some of the most, like, I love listening to those songs. So. Yeah. And then there are some songs that sound almost like folklore-ish and evermore-ish that are also very dear to me, but we'll get into that. But then there are some songs that well, feel so new in some ways, and that really, I think, yeah. has to do with her new collaborations. And particularly, like, I think she's worked with specific producers and, like, writers who worked who helped work with Beyonce on Renaissance. And we talked about this in our, mm-hmm. like, immediate initial reaction. But 
Mm-hmm. Some of these songs sound very Renaissance coded in some ways. Yeah. And a spe- like, but anyways, and like I hashtag live, laugh, love that, you know, but um, yeah, sweet nothing. It's just like, I am not in my domestic married bearded couple situation <laughs> era, right? Oh. And yeah. it's just not... Like, this song just makes me want to kill myself, to be quite honest. So. <laughs> I that's can't. so, I think that's so interesting. And I guess we'll get into it when we do the lyrical or the lyric analysis of it. But I see Sweet Nothing as like a kind of like quite sad song. Almost like how hoax kind of teeters, I think, between romance and great sadness. Um, and Sweet Nothing kind of gives me that as well, but I still enjoy it. It's not, it's, I'm going to be honest, like, it's not, like, super high, so I'm not, like, OMG. It reads as a love song upon first listen, but when I'm looking at the lyrics, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. we can do a lyrical analysis and breakdown as we're doing the rankings if you want. Well, I think even the way she uses the term Sweet Nothing. As opposed to Sweet Nothings. Because when you whisper sweet exactly. nothings, it's like that is like something positive and, and, and beautiful and, you know, romantic. Whereas a sweet yes. nothing, it's like, that's a very interesting turn of phrase that seems very yeah. intentional because like there's nothing there. It's literally, there's an emptiness to it, which is why I think it's a also a, a bearding song. And there's more like elements to this within the lyrics that I think point to that. For example, like in Industry Disruptors, oh, this is the bridge. Industry disruptors and soul deconstructors, smooth talking hucksters, out glad handing each other, and the voices that implore, quote, you should be doing more. To you, I can admit that I am just too soft for all of it. And then it's the chorus again. Outside, they're push and shoving, mm-hmm. you're in the kitchen humming. All that you ever wanted from me was sweet nothing. Like, I think that really points to the fact that she wants someone in her life who literally doesn't desire anything from her. Right. And I think mm-hmm. like Joe is this is a Joe Alwyn song in many ways. It could be interpreted as a Joe Alwyn song in many mm-hmm. ways because he's not someone who is in the public eye beyond the capacity of like him being her like public partner. Boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. So like there's nothing public partner, the non-binary gender non-conform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. A genderification okay, of Joe in Owen. Her Instagram post, I think she ca- she talks about there's like a line where she's like, um, both of our partners were out of the country working on something. And she's like talking about her and mm-hmm. Jack Antonoff or her and Zoe Kravitz. I forgot who it was, but she's like talking about Mm-hmm. her working on the album and how her her and the other person's partners were are both actors and they both work outside of the country so now we like came together and work it's like right okay <laughs> the partners who are actors Girl. thank you for specifying <laughs> yeah okay well i just think even again sweet nothing to me when i saw i think it's it's so Oh, well, of course, there's a Will, William Bowery credit here, which I think would be an interesting detail of if the song is about bearding, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, this 
where he has a credit in the future will see this (laughs) because she's expressing so much tiredness and so much exhaustion with the world Mm -hmm. around her it's like she's talking about how Mm -hmm. within a private sphere she needs someone to be able to ground her in a private sphere whether that be a private gay relationship or a private relationship of, of any sort or a private public relationship in that bearding way right where there's an intimacy there there's a knowledge there but it's not in a way that's like sweet nothings it's a sweet nothing uh, yeah, but I guess I saw it more. I I saw it sadder. I didn't see it as as grounding. I guess as that particular reading, especially with like the chorus, like the first line of the chorus saying, "They said the end is coming. Everyone's up to something." Like starting a chorus with those two lines, that's just quite apocalyptic <laughs> in a yeah, way. Yeah, but then she right? follows it up like, with like, "I downfall. find myself running home to your sweet nothings." Right. Where she's like saying that there is, there is a private space, literally a home, which I think her usage of home as an idea, right? In My Tears Ricochet, I can go anywhere I want, Mm -hmm. anywhere I want, just not home, right? And then also like in Dear Reader, Mm -hmm. she talks about going home where she paces in her pen. Uh, Like it's, in Dear Mm -hmm. Reader, the last song on this, on the 20 track is so crazy to me because that's so heartbreaking. It's kind of like how, isn't Hoax one of the last song, is Hoax the last song on folklore i really don't remember i think so it's these albums that start that like have so much love in them but end with this heartbreak that's like so shattering that i think is what makes sweet nothing as the last it's sweet nothing is is sweet nothing the sweet nothing is the second to last track the last track is mastermind right yeah yeah sweet nothing being the second to last even then with like i find myself running home after that it sounds like she's like sweet nothings and also sweet nothing feels so lack of substance right like you whisper sweet nothings but it's like in this context and with the other lyrics around it i just think it feels quite hollow like it which again could go towards the bearding right it's like it's the facade of a relationship right it's the image of a relationship it's something that people want from her and she doesn't like that they want it from her. Or which we it's see a protection from Hayes. It could be, but even if it is a protection, I think behind the walls, there, I don't see, like, it's quite sad to me because I'm just like, this person doesn't want you as a partner. All they want is sweet nothing. They want an empty shell of you, even behind, even in the situation that is protecting you from outside people right like to me it's a very lose lose reading is thus far how i also think the verse where she says on the way home i wrote a poem you say what a mind this happens all the time that part always like really sticks out to me because it's like wow Mm -hmm. if she wrote this song with whoever the fuck william bowery is let's say it's joe alwyn like she's saying that he helps her create this art and he also helps her create this like public persona and he constructs this you know running home like you're in the kitchen humming whatever but also the sadness and the melancholy with like the actual tone and mood and production of the song especially and also the introduction is so Mm -hmm. interesting to me along with the lyrical parallels to other albums where she's like i spy with my little tired eye she's like she starts off with like yeah i'm fucking i'm tired of this shit bro and then tiny as a Mm -hmm. firefly a pebble that we picked up last july that is like 
I've been down since July, deep mm-hmm. down inside your pocket. We almost forgot it. Does it ever miss Wicklow sometimes? I think Wicklow is probably a, a place, right? So it's mm-hmm. like she's been traveling with this person. She, she sees this and it's so small. It's so innocuous. It's so not like really a thing, but it's present. And it's like, you know, we almost forgot it. It was deep down inside your pocket. It was something that we picked up last, a pebble that we picked up last July. And that leads into the chorus of like, they said the end is coming and everyone's up to something. I find myself running home to your sweet nothings, right? Where it's like, she's focusing on the the sweet nothing, the actual like almost non-present at the very beginning of the pebble that we picked up last July in that she's like, oh, do you think it ever misses Winslow, which is Wicklow, which is its home? And then, of course, the, like, mm-hmm. we're home thing. And then the end where she's again talking about, like, the voices, the industry disruptors, soul deconstructors, smooth-talking hucksters. Like, she's like, mm-hmm. I-, I do think there is such a exploration of the public versus the private, things that are so small but so large because of that relationship between like home and outside that is inherently like sad you know it's not i don't think it's a happy love song obviously but it's it's not tragic the way that a lot of her songs off of like folklore or even like cowboy like me or whatever are you know yeah i'll have to take uh, i'm still i'm still listening i'm still gathering okay i Asterisks for Renaissance. It, it, thoughts are still being combined. <laughs> I feel. I still feel quite. I don't know. Like I know what I think of these songs. I, I. I. don't think my readings are immature, as in lack of experience. I think my thoughts on these songs are still quite immature because of lack of time with them. But to me, the song sounds is is quite sad and reminds me a lot of hoax. The other thing that I was gonna say when you were talking about how this song or this album sound is like for false god enjoyers, also one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, and King of My Heart, also one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, or a song that I really enjoy and dress. As I was listening, I was like, OMG, like the, this song is for the people who enjoy this song. And then I made like a whole playlist of it. because so I was like, I need to listen to these songs. In conjunction with each in, other. In yeah. I actually haven't yeah. listened to this album in relationship to any other Taylor Swift song. So I need to listen to your album after I've like listened to this album 20 yeah. more times. Like on its own. Yeah. But also Sweet Nothing to yeah. me kind of sonically sounds like it's nice to have a friend. The first thing that I thought of yeah. when I heard it was like, this sounds like it's nice to have a friend. Which if you interpret that as a toe song or whatever, and if you follow the, that like continuation mm-hmm. of th- those parallels, I still think it lines up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I still think that's a fair yeah. way to think about it. Because some of the songs off of Midnight does sound really new. So like there's not... A good compar- a comparable point. Yeah. Or... But also some of them are like, sonically yeah. related yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like oh these are sound sisters and then some of them are more lyrically related like textually yeah. sort of tied to other things yeah 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 or like a midnight song is an expansion off of a lyric that's yes. in another song yes. i'm like oh like i think there's this so comes from here many songs on this album that are sequels to things that she starts yeah. in folklore or follow-ups yeah. to like 1989 and stuff right so 
Yeah. The glitter after the party, one could say. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. But yeah, what's your number 20? My 20 is still Dear Reader. Was the night of... Yeah, that was of, of the seven bonuses. Is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause and it, it was, yeah. but it, yeah. And it was, it was at the bottom of my seven bonus list. And I, st- I do have to say, I do like it more than I did when it first when you first out. listen to it, yeah. I've also enjoyed every other song more than it has come out. So I fear that it hasn't caught up with the level the of enjoyment of the, of the other ones. Yeah. For me. I think it's such a contradictory song because actually this is my number 19. So Dear Reader is oh, okay. like my, my next one up. And yeah, mm-hmm. like I agree. I think sonically it doesn't and also lyrically it doesn't necessarily attach itself with me emotionally in the way that other songs on this album do but this the part Mm -hmm. that's strongest to me or the song or the part of the song that like resonates most deeply with me is definitely the the outro so i wander through these nights i prefer hiding in plain sight girl anyway my fourth drink in hand okay i see that this is me trying you know uh these desperate prayers (laughs) of a cursed man once again this is me trying oh my god and then spilling out to you for free but darling darling please you wouldn't take my word for it if you knew who was talking if you knew where i was walking to a house not a home all alone because nobody's there that is so interesting because she just was talking about how she goes home to sweet nothing (laughs) exactly Exactly. All alone, because nobody's that's, that's there. That's why there's something fishy Where with, with I pace sweet nothing. in my pen, and my friends found friends who care. Follow up to 1989 bonus track New Romantics. We're all bored. We're also mm-hmm. tired of everything. We ha- we being her and her friends ostensibly, right? Like 1989, her era mm-hmm. then was so like me and my girls, right? And and like her talking about how her friends have all have all lost her here. And then also the loaded language of friend as a term is so interesting. Also because right where you left me, friends break up, friends get married, right? Like that is just yeah. so crazy. And then. No one sees when you lose when you're playing solitaire. Like, that really ties back to the prologue of this album where she says, like, on the fifth paragraph of it, which is the shortest line, is, Or was tonight the night you realized how solitary, how alone you really are, no matter how high you climb. The elevation just makes it colder. Like, that's so heartbreaking, right? Where she's talking about how she's spilling out to you for free. And, like, right before that, the line was, these desperate prayers of a cursed man. If she mm-hmm. is the cursed man with desperate prayers, he, they, Taylor, he, Taylor, right? Like, mm-hmm. and they're spilling out to you for free. And if you is the listener, if you is her audience, are the people who are listening, yeah. and she ends the whole song, the whole album with, you should find another guiding light, but I shine so bright, you should find another guiding light but I shine so bright. It is very The Path by Lord, which is the opening song of Solar Power, right? Mm-hmm. Where she's like, let's hope the sun will show you the path because I'm not your savior, right? I think Taylor here, mm-hmm. this also being her first like visual album is also so interesting because like she is really, and also like the Midnight's Mayhem stuff, the way that she's interacting with her fans, I, I mean, the way that she's interacted with her fans her whole career has been totally crazy. Like, no one on her level of superstardom has ever interacted with her fans as directly and as consistently the way that she does. But, like, 
the way that she's speaking to us in uh, in this text and in this album is so crazy to me and dear reader i think is yeah. the perfect example of that and this being the outro of the 3am version is crazy because she's really saying like you should find another guiding light because like leading up to it the chorus is really her saying like she keeps on repeating never take advice from someone who's falling apart never take advice from someone who's falling apart and then she gives us advice that's the part that i thought you were gonna point out but initially because that's the part that sticks out to me the most in this particular song on top of the you should find another guiding light but I shine so bright. The content of this song obviously interests me. Also, a lot of my ranking is in terms of what I've been reaching for to re-listen to, and I'm just not yeah. it- itching. I'm not waking up in the morning thinking, must listen to Dear Reader. But this one, and this being the outro right of the album, but the music video for Antihero being the first music video that we get of this visual Mm -hmm. album I think is very interesting because obviously Antihero is another song where she is talking directly to us and like how she feels about herself and how she's created and how over the past 15 years she has developed this relationship with her fans and now she might have hashtag girl boss too close to the sun because (laughs) 228 million people on Spotify alone (laughs) listen to her album the day that it drops you know so maybe she's like if this many people are listening to me I should tell them do not take advice from someone who writes this kind of music guys it must be exhausting rooting for the anti-hero like no like come on like I see how hard it is for y'all to fight for your fucking life every fucking time I do anything (laughs) like literally so I think it's a really interesting song in in that way I need to stop that habit every time I listen to one of our episodes I'm like bitch put soap in your mouth every time you say that way like what the fuck does that even mean that's such an empty (laughs) empty thing to say and it pisses me off and I'm the one who's saying it a hundred times yeah anyways I just caught myself saying it yeah okay also this is so Sagittarian of her dear reader get out your map pick somewhere and just run like burn all the files desert all your past lives and if you don't recognize yourself that means you did it right and then she's like don't take it I just told my mom that like Sagittarius's are known for traveling (laughs) and stuff like their relationships to travel and she had no idea and of course if you listen to the pod you know that Sunny and I both have Sagittarian moms which is very important because also our Sagittarian mother Taylor Swift is crazy and we were familiar with that I would say exactly raised raised in that household anyways so she was like what and I was like yeah I'm 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 making my mom a, a, a zodiac believer with with the things that I tell her. Yeah. But the contradictory sorry. nature of this, where, like, the verse just mm-hmm. directly opposes, where she's, like, giving you advice, you know? Dear reader, mm-hmm. bend when you can, snap when you have to. You don't have to answer yeah. just because... This is a crazy gay-ass lie. You don't have to answer just because they asked you. Girl, answering what questions? Question? Dot, 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 question mark? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's about her. And then, and then dear mark. reader, the greatest of luxuries is your secrets. Dear reader, when you aim at the devil, make sure you don't miss. 
Never take advice from someone who's falling apart. Okay, girl, what is the truth? What is the truth? And I think, like, that's what this song is really about, right? Where she's, like, battling. Mm -hmm. There are two wolves inside of you. One wolf is saying, the greatest of your luxury is your secret. The other wolf is Mm -hmm. saying, girl, you are crazy. I'm spilling out to you for free. (laughs) Well, and I I think also part of the two wolves, right, is I have this platform. I should, coming out would do so much good for so many people, so, you know. Yeah, but you should um, find another guiding light. Also, the the other wolf being, my secrets are my greatest luxury. Like, one wolf, I could, <laughs> I could use this platform, say so much, speak out on, on so much, and so many people will hear me. The other wolf, anything that I do will, like, be attacked, or I'm not good enough to speak out on these, th- like, you, like, you should not listen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, having passion. And so... I can stare at the the sun, but not in the mirror. Like, she can't really... But that's the other thing. Like, she's so... She's intellectualizing and looking in, looking within so much. But she also Mm -hmm. can't really face herself. Because so much of herself is projections from other people. Like, and her relationships to other people. But who doesn't feel that way, you know? She's so real. Anyways... (sighs) So that's your 19. My 19 is Labyrinth. When it's just like, when I'm just playing the album out loud and I'm like, oh, I actually don't hate this song. <laughs> I'm like, the li- I'm like, wow, she's saying something interesting. But then I know because of the album order that Karma is on the other side. So it's like, girl, I just want to listen to Karma if I'm being honest. I don't necessarily want to sit through because it goes, the song art order goes Bejeweled, Labyrinth, Karma. And I think that kind of sets Labyrinth up to be a frequently skipped song. Because hot off the heels of Bejeweled, going into Labyrinth, that's a bit of a shocker. And then, knowing that Karma's on the other side, I think Bejeweled into Karma would be a much a much better pairing. So part, so part of the reason why I don't like Labyrinth is because of the context and... and in which it's placed in the album, yeah. because of course Taylor Swift is a numer- uh, numerology queen. Yeah. So yeah, she can't just put these songs all willy nilly. I mean, this song, this album has more of like a cohesive vibe and nature than like yeah a lot of her previous albums. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, unlike Lover, which yeah. goes and even like Red God, or yeah, even like y- you know, I mean. We've, we've talked about, about her yeah, song. Yeah, 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 we've talked about this before. Well, for me, Labyrinth is above Karma on my ranking, but below Bejeweled, but only by a little bit. So I don't relate okay. to what you're saying, but I see your vision. Yeah. From what I yeah. understand, I think Labyrinth is in, like, my my Gaylor Oomph's interpretations and something that I've, like, sort of thought about in rela- relationship to listening to the song is because I think, like, the first half of the introdu- introductory verses are so heartbreaking mm-hmm. and so much about heartbreak, mm-hmm. right? Where it's, like, literally it only hurts this much right... Like, starts off, it only hurts this much right now was what I was mm-hmm. thinking. Like, she loves to do a bait and switch with her lyrics. She loves to be, like, please picture me in the trees... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah like and then continue with each line adds more context that like flushes out this picture that reconstructs and recontextualizes what you're even thinking of because she says it only hurts as much mm-hmm. right now was what i was thinking the whole time mm-hmm. breathe in breathe through breathe deep breathe out i'll be getting over you my whole life you know how mm-hmm. scared i am of elevators never trust 
it, if it rises fast, it can't last, right? She's saying like, it's so hard. Like I, in this moment, or I was thinking when I had a heartbreak that I will never Mm -hmm. get over this. And now I'm in this elevator that's rising fast and it cannot last, but I'm rising up. But at the same time, I'm falling in love again. Uh Uh-oh. Oh no. Uh Uh-oh. I thought the plane was going down. How do you turn it right around? I think like in some ways you could be talking, like she could be talking about the same person, the same you here, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it hurts so bad. You thought you'd be getting over it your whole life, but then you're falling in love again with that same person. And now the plane has been turned back around. How did you turn it around? Right? Like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause then it's, it's, it only feels this raw right now, lost in the labyrinth of my mind, break up, break free, break through, break down. Right. She's like saying like, okay, now that I'm back in this relationship, it feels really raw and I want to get out of it. But then it's, you know, breakthrough, breakdown, you would break your back to make me break a smile, which is like, wow, the, the, the repetition of the word break is okay, girl, like, let's see again, two back to back lines that are contradictory, that sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, recontextualize what's going on. And it's like, you know how much I hate that everybody just expects me to bounce back just like that. Again, everybody like this. Like, I love that line. This gaze of That's like one of my favorite lines. everyone looking at you. And it's something that she, this album in particular, she's really focusing on in a way that goes beyond what she talks about in per se reputation where it's like, they all think this, but in reality, I'm caught up in my own world of this. They all hate me, but I love this. What she's saying here is more, there's more nuance to this, right? The outside world and the view and the you and like the listeners, the her fans, she has a more complicated relationship to them, I think, now. And it's because this is mm-hmm. album 10. Like this is one of, you know, and it's just so interesting that like this song is about heartbreak, but it's about falling in love, but it's about being perceived, but it's about like... So it's complex, like a labyrinth, and it plays with your mind, and it plays with the words that it uses, like repetition, the way that like a labyrinth is supposed to confuse you through this seemingly repetitive, like unable to escape means of, you know, trying to, like confusing sort of thing. And like, I think the way that she describes the feelings of heartbreak and like, falling in love and whatever with these various metaphors like in you know my tears ricochet it's about like literally fucking dying um or like you know shit like that it's so i it's like wow the the poetry is there and i think people not being able to see it like a lot of people are complaining about that i think or people are people who like really enjoyed folklore and or evermore or folklore and evermore are being Mm -hmm. like omg like this is not it's like but you're i don't think you're actually hashtag seeing the fucking vision here you know just because it's pop doesn't mean there's nothing profound there because to smart people like us who enjoyed both folklore (laughs) and evermore and renaissance for people who enjoyed lover and reputation we see we see the vision and we we loved all of these things in a way you know what i mean it's like anyway but that those are my thoughts on yeah labyrinth when I'm listening to Labyrinth, and I actually am listening to it, I think that this song in particular has r- really good lyricism for all the reasons that 
you <laughs> just said. Again, my initial, most of my initial album rankings are based on l- listenability. And so that is where this song kind of goes down for me. But I also, I saw, I interpreted the first song going into I'm Falling in Love, I'm Falling in Love Again as a different yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think as, that's what as, most people as, think. As two different. Right, right. Yeah. Which, I mean, I could see it being in the same relationship. I think being mindful of the title being Labyrinth actually adds more evidence to it being the same relationship right like the inescapability of it but then also it could be like the inescapability of the cycle right of falling in love break having a terrible heartbreak being like i'm never doing that again and then the next thing you know you're falling in love with someone else again Mm -hmm. and the inescape like the patterns that make a labyrinth inescapable and confusing and hard to navigate right what parts that look the same in the different sections of the labyrinth could be more of a metaphor for Oh, all the things, like, the reason why I love the beginning of a relationship, you know, is the same in the beginning of all these relationships, yet, you know, not learning the lesson, quote-unquote, of not falling in love, because then you're going to end up in heartbreak. People have been comparing it to, like, Gold Rush, which is interesting, because it's, you know, like, I don't like falling in love, Mm -hmm. right? But what's interesting there is that... This sort of points to the comparisons between Folkmore and Midnight's that I think are sort of missing the point, where it's like, within each song of Midnight's, I think there's more complexity within, like, the plot and, like, text within each song of Midnight's than there is necessarily with it. Because, like, Gold Rush as a song, like, conceptually pretty simple, you know? And, like, the lyricism is, like, beautiful, but it's not... It's not, conf- it's not, like, really confusing, I think, in the way that this this song, like, Labyrinth, is using, like, words and the order of, like, phrases in a particular way. Because, again, it's called Labyrinth, mm-hmm. so it's supposed to be. It's But it's intentionally more complex in a way that I think, like, I've said before, Evermore is a short story collection, folklore is a novel. I think, like, with Midnight's, mm. each song feels like a novel almost right like each song is packed with this like whole narrative that's like whoa and it's I don't think people really get that I don't know well I was gonna say because I have gold rush on my midnights midnights and more is the title of the of the playlist and where did you put it in relationship to the other songs Oh, okay, I was going to ask if you wanted to know. So the two songs that I have following Labyrinth are Death by a Thousand Cuts and Happiness. Uh-huh. Because heartbreak, so, but there was happiness because of you. Yeah, exactly. That was my 19. Your 19 was Dear Reader. We're on 18. Mm-hmm. What's your 18? My 18 is bigger than the whole sky. <gasps> That's my 17. My 18 is Snow on the Beach. <laughs> <laughs> the reason... The reason why is because I want a Taylor and Lana collaboration. And that's not to say that I don't like Snow on the Beach. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate but you're the parenthetical her. featuring. Yeah. Yes. But like, I maybe what I want is Taylor on a Lana track. You mm. know? Like I want... Yeah. I want it to be a Lana song that Taylor does, is, is a part of. You know? Because I find that... Unless you are blackmailing her with outing her. 
Um, like some, like one of the artists like that has a the, verse the, in a the song. The blonde bisexuals, uh, one, one could yeah, say. Yeah, unless, unless you unless have your thumb hovering over the tweet button <laughs> and the tweet constructed saying, I have solid proof that Taylor Swift is a, is living in the liminal space between bisexual woman and dyke. Um, and I have photos to prove it. Unless you're an artist who has that information, you do not get a verse on a Taylor Swift song. So I would just, I would love both of them to go back in the studio, kidnap Jack Antonoff, go back in the studio and cook me up something that I can fucking eat. Okay? So that, Please. Those, those are my thoughts. Except I did see a tweet that said, um, snow on the beach, queer but fucking beautiful. And I was like, oh, that's actually quite a clever reading, mm. I think of it. I th- if, you, weird, if you think of like... Que- yeah, because queer means weird, yeah. Exactly. And also like, as, as this being a bait and switch, right, of Taylor Swift wanting to have, in the same way that Labyrinth mm-hmm. can be heard as like Labrys, right, on, mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. one of the... Uh, lesbian flags of years past of yesteryear and labrys has always been a historical lesbian symbol the way that amazonians and and like sappho has been you know the ancients etc exactly it's like a wordplay that's not really it's like a reference to a wordplay that's like okay bitch jesus christ in the same way that like dorothea is like friend of dorothy Mm -hmm. kind of thing but then you sound but then people are like no taylor's straight and you're reading too much conspiracy theories blah 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 blah. girl we're just looking at the words like come on oh okay this is unrelated to well related to lyrical analysis unrelated to snow on the beach in particular right is i had this thought but i wasn't i I haven't tweeted it yet a thought that (laughs) you haven't tweeted renaissance Please. If you can believe it. <laughs> I know. I say that and Sunny's like, are you okay? <laughs> when a Gemini in the big three hasn't externalized a thought that they've had and you're like, something's not right. Something is not okay. <laughs> no, literally. But um, the thought being is like, there is a difference between like, literacy and Easter eggs, right? Like, we are not finding things, like, these are not, like, Easter eggs. This is being able to read. And, like, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of you cannot read. Like, yeah. you can read the word. You can read English. But you have, the comprehension isn't there. The ability to extrapolate information is not there. And that's different from, like, the Easter eggs that she does, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think... Or you can pick up what looking, she's intentionally putting down in a way that's, like, explicit to communicate with her audience in general. That's exactly. not just, like, the inherent queerness of certain words or symbols. Exactly. So people being like, oh, like, you know... Uh, the people being Taylor Swift in the music video saying that not everything's an Easter egg, right? When the mm-hmm. gay podcaster is like, she probably <laughs> left an Easter egg. You know? Okay. A secret Okay, code. I fucking get okay, it. Okay, bitch. I Jesus. get it. Right, right, right. Oh, you're probably recording an episode right now, and then it's the iPhone voice memos when <laughs> we started our podcast on iPhone voice memos and have oh. always always stated that. Okay, Anyways. come for us, bitch. Yeah. So, hi, Taylor, listening. Mm-hmm, I hope mm-hmm, you're enjoying. Mm-hmm. But we have Blue Yetis now, actually. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, I think Snow on the Beach kind of feels like another song about realizing that you could be gay for the first time. Like that kind of odd beauty, mm-hmm. right? Of when, mm-hmm. like, well, wow, like there's snow on the fucking beach. G- girls can kiss now. Um, <laughs> very that. <laughs> 
big, big night for me. Uh, all yeah, the other when bitches were celebrating the Midnight's release. Yeah. I was celebrating Joe Gutterwitz. We need Jill and... on the podcast so bad. Like, we need to get no. every Gayler who's, like, been published for real, like, on the podcast. And, like, we're working yeah. on it, guys. We're fucking working on <laughs> it. It's no. in the works. Like, our uh, people, and by our people, it's literally us contacting <laughs> Jill's people to be like, please, 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 please. Oh, God. <laughs> I need I need her on the pot. I need to talk to her and be like, I love you. And every word of yours that I've read has made a little me too real. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. Been there. Thought that. Mm-hmm, Can mm-hmm. we be best friends? Even though you're a lesbian. Can I see the short film? She'll, she'll be my new token pocket lesbian. Right. But anyways, are you done? Okay, okay. I think we should talk about yeah. Bigger Than the Whole Sky, though, because it's both like on yeah, our lower bits of our rankings. Yeah. I think... Initially, when I heard it with the first, with just the seven, I think I ranked it higher because I initially, I just thought of it as like a love heartbreak song, but people, it's been crazy, the discourse around the song, because people are like, oh, is it about a miscarriage? Is it about blah, blah, blah? And it's like, Mm -hmm. guys, can we please, (laughs) oh my God. Mm -hmm. But I do think like there are, I've got a lot to pine about. I've got a lot to live without. I'm never going to mm-hmm. meet what could have been, would have been, what should have been, which of course is a reference to, you know, would have, could have, should have. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. And I think you can, you can interpret that in any way. You can interpret that in like, you know, so, literally someone dying, but also of course, like your mm-hmm. past self, right? A relationship, someone that you, that is no longer in your life and thus you will never know that version of, you're, I'm never going to meet who, mm-hmm. like what could have been you, like what should have been you. Well, and like, even like a, a version of you in my it would have been that you're fun if about. I would have been the one. But then mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. what's the? Is it? I haven't met the new me yet. Yeah, it's happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like even this idea of the hypothetical, fu- the future of the person that you're no longer with, right? Oh, I yeah. hope that person as well. And also, maybe my future. You know, so Taylor Swift. Loves the English conditional tense. She mm. loves the hypothetical. Mm. She loves She's just like me for about, real. Thinking about all the potentialities of a situation. It, it, exactly. She loves talking about herself as if she's already died. She loves yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about herself in the future. As a dead person. <laughs> she loves talking about herself in in the future as a dead person. Already dead. Also, so. it's, okay, the dead thing is so fucking interesting because during mm-hmm. our one bonus episode, you were like, I'm just like Taylor Swift because I talk about myself like I'm uh, about our, my future as if <laughs> yes, I died. Yeah, that is something that and I do. That is literally the plot of Antihero, the music video. Yeah, like yeah, around no, her so casket. When, when I saw that, I'm not gonna lie, like me, per- uh, not in co co host mode, not in lavender menace mode, but just as like a- a me Renaissance as a person. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, I literally I was like, whoa, this actually is like so me because like. I truly think about my life as if I've like what my life looks like from the perspective of me already dead Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just I'm always so aware that I'm living towards my death but in but to me that's not it doesn't bring anxiety to me it's an inevitability of life I think the people who are unaware of their own impending death their mortality is that's crazy yeah yeah. I, I think that's weirder than me always knowing that every item that I have will eventually become trash after my death, right? Like anything 
that the, that I have that doesn't hold any sentimental value to anyone else in my life is essentially trash, right? Mm-hmm. Who else is going to take care of this shit? Like, most of it's plastic. So it's like, but even then, just as a figure in people's lives, it's like being a human means that you're going to have human relations, right? So it's not even that I see myself as bigger than I am in the way that Taylor Swift has to contend with not being a real person because of how large she is. Mm-hmm. But even the idea of, relationships outliving your death and how people how your individual actions affect other people's lives because as we as I found out last night and then called you like people defending us when we are not we're not around yeah and like the idea that because you know I've had haters basically my entire life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um in in the class since since we were young we're just like Taylor Always in that off. way, right? Because yeah. no one wanted to play with me when I was a little kid, which is why I'm a, which is why I'm a scheming, manipulating bitch now. <laughs> no, literally, and that's why I'm literally a criminal. Right, um, right, right. If you would have played with me as a kid, maybe I wouldn't be doing all of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe yeah. I wouldn't have a. Podcast. She's not. She <laughs> is not defeating the serial killer allegations. When she said, when she saw us, yeah, when she saw us joking about how she's Ted Bundy, she was like, "Sure, yeah, let me write that down." <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways. I don't want to keep talking about anti-Europe because we'll get to it on the list. But I think bigger than the whole sky also lends itself to talking about yourself in the future as you're already dead. Hypothetical versions of you that you have yet to fulfill, right? Like, very, very that. Again, I think I haven't seen any criticisms on the discourse of how people themselves relate to the song. I think most of the discourse is about people assigning yeah. certain meanings to yeah, Taylor. Like, oh, Taylor definitely had a miscarriage. But whatever, it also yeah. kind of, this song reminds me of Ronan yeah. from Red. Because it could be about like anyone else, like someone who's close to her in her life as well, you know? Exactly. So like, I also like, I think sonically and just the way that, because Taylor Swift writes about grieving and mourning a lot, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in her recent works. And there's so many different forms of grief. There's so many different yeah. things that one can mourn for that are not just about, like, death, like, mm-hmm. the end of a life. And so I think it could lend itself to that. But I think this genre of mourning sounds more similar to Ronin and some of the other mm-hmm. songs off of, like, Fearless. Like, the mourning songs off of Fearless mm-hmm. and Red than Right Where You Left Me, you know? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of... A grieving song. Or My so, Tears Ricochet. Yeah. But anyways, we can move on to 16. My number 16 is Paris. That's my 15. My number 16 is Sweet Nothing. So we can get into Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so surprised that for both of us, Paris is like relatively low on the ranking. Because uh-huh. I think th- this song reminds me so much of Cruel Summer. But to me, mm. I love Cruel Summer more than I love Paris. Yeah, because yeah, Cruel yeah. Cruel Summer is sure. one of my favorite Taylor songs. Uh-huh. But there's something about it that when I listen to this, I'm like, I can't help but think that this reminds me of Cruel Summer. And I don't mm. know why I don't like Paris as much as Cruel Summer. I think it has to do with the lyricism, but... Hmm, yeah. I, I, feel, I fear that I will eat those words, so I'm not, I'm not going to... 
I think this is like the poppy version of like the lakes, right? Where she's basically like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you keep it just your romance is not dead. If you keep it just yours, levitate above all the messes made. Sit quiet by my side in the shade. I love this corny ass millennial lane, and not the kind that's thrown. I mean, the kind under where a tree has grown. <laughs> it's like when she says when a when a rose blooms through the fucking snow and no one's around to tweet it okay bitch mm-hmm. right 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 but i also love i want to brainwash you into loving me forever yeah this is a song yeah. for mean femmes this is a song yeah. literally <laughs> like, literally that's uh, one of my favorite i think i freaked out mm-hmm. about that lyric yeah when it came out and uh-huh. I, it's still one of my favorite uh, almost all of these songs has at least like one lyric, one lyric or one that moment you're like, where I'm like yeah slay yeah like that's the one and Paris also does remind me of the lakes except again like the lakes is one of her especially the original version is one of her like untouchable songs to me I'm like where the poets want to die again die exactly so but I understand the connection to Paris especially because it's all about her escaping with her lover to some mm-hmm. place, right? Like the lakes in England and now Paris, obviously. We were in Paris. We were somewhere else. Like, she loves some cheap-ass wine in this album. Cheap wine, make-believe <laughs> it's champagne. Okay, girl. Yeah. But also the fact that in the chorus she says, like we were in Paris, like we were somewhere else. So it's not even that she yeah. is somewhere. It's like mm-hmm. she, just like in the lakes, take me to the lakes right she's saying yeah. take me there and here she's saying it's like we were there so so she can't actually escape she can't actually go there but she still wants the fan she's calling yeah. for it she wants the fantasy of it yeah she wants to like while and we're again, here let's pretend mm-hmm. we're in Paris. like let's uh-huh. do the things that we would yeah. do and right after the first chorus privacy sign on the door and on my page and on the whole world right mm-hmm. again privacy right? Romance is not dead if you just keep it yours. Like, I think people who are interpreting this whole album as like, oh, wow, I love Joe Alwyn so much, thinking like that's why they keep their relationship so private is why this Mm -hmm. is such a good hashtag bearding relationship if we exist in this liminal space of bearding and real. (laughs) Like, uh, Taylor Swift is queering the liminal space between bearding and real. Yes. Just like she's queering the liminal space between dyke and non-binary, he, they, dyke, and Mm -hmm. uh, pansexual, bisexual. And she's also queering the liminal space between oomph and IRL. Like, you know. So, essentially, I would say, like, within that context, right, you could say, like, wow, privacy sign on the door. Romance is not dead if you keep it yours, right? Sit quiet by my side in the shade. Mm-hmm. The way that people, like, are like, wow, the reputation is about being in love with Joe and, like, being out of the eye of the public. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. But not in the way you think. <laughs> like Literally. I'm, like... The way that we think she's with Joe and the way that Hitlers think that she's with Joe. And just like are... the general public and like tabloids and the yeah. media in general frame her as that, right? Because yeah. if it really was private, right? Where if it was privacy sign on the door and on my page and on the whole world, girl, like we really wouldn't know anything about it. But the tabloid, like every Instagram post that any, or like any article that has been written about this album since it's released and every time they mention Taylor it 
Mm-hmm. Every article references Joe Alwyn as like a muse, like even a lot of casual tweets and comments about it as well, right? Which is mm-hmm. so interesting because like, no shade to Joe Alwyn, but he looks like a guy that you write like, two right. songs about. Yeah, that was a funny ass tweet. Like, please, like, and that's the thing. I'm like, you need a hash. You need an NPC so that people mind their own fucking business because now they're all writing about mm-hmm. this hashtag private relationship so that you can keep the privacy sign on the door, like. You know. Well, okay. My true tin hat theory, like, guys, I'm not being serious, but also I kind of think this, uh-huh. <laughs> is I think Taylor Swift has had a, a lesbian relationship during this time that, like, truly we no don't know No one about. knows about. Yeah. Like, it's not and, like, Carly, it's not Diana, s- it's not yeah. Zoe, it's no one we know about, but it's truly yeah. private. That's why she's talking about the public gaze yeah. so much. And yes. she's talking about her six-year relationship, girl. Yes. Yeah, and, like, this verse of, like, privacy sign on the door and on my page and on the whole world. Her relationship with Joe is not private to the whole world. Dare I say it is the opposite of private to the whole world. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so there always in the footnote like yeah always creeping his little blonde head into everything and again it's like, maps and like distance and travel another thematic thing yeah like sad we drew a map on your bedroom ceiling no i didn't see the news because mm-hmm. we were somewhere else like the, the news the news loves mm-hmm. toe loves toe so fucking yes. much to me, this whenever she talks about like private relationships or anything like that, especially because this song doesn't have any mentions of like gold, red. It doesn't really have a lot of any like no color in the way that maroon. Mm. <laughs> you know, like her colors are so coded to specific people that the fact that this song is the way that it is and has the plot that it does, and there's no real color imagery no real references to color makes me think that we we're we're talking about a secret third thing it's, <laughs> this song isn't about diana it's not about carly claus but rather a secret third thing. right 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 right, right. <laughs> and I see, I see your vision and you know but like i respect her for it like i am not interested in knowing if, if there is this secret gay relationship that we haven't heard about or haven't heard of that we truly do not know who it is I'm perfectly at peace with that. I hope she's happy. Until, of course, like you said in our Lavender Gate episode of like, I do not want Taylor Swift to come out until there is the 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 twenty year plan or like USSR Stalin. We need a plan five year plan going industrialization of the whole country ass like PR yes. rollout thing, you know. And yes. not in the way that like, like Lover got. Which okay, the people mm-hmm. talking about the way that politics versus like coming out as a democrat versus coming out coming out is being represented (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the music video and also this album has been so interesting for me to see because like obviously there's like the arrow that goes into her and then it's spilling this like lavender glittery goo out of her body and then she covers it up with Mm -hmm. a fucking like campaign sticker it's like okay girl be serious like come on the imagery is loud the imagery. She wants to be camp gay. She wants to be. She wants to be a a trans mask drag queen so bad, <laughs> and yet all the all that she can settle with is a Democrat. <laughs> Bro, I'd be sad as hell too. I'd 
I'd be making midnights too. That was, that was my scenario. That was my reality. I too would be making shit like midnights. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So my fifteen is karma. Okay. Yeah, you holding yourself back from violence. I see. I see the rage. you should do a ranking because you're the recipient of these of like what how mad renaissance is versus what one word response you get like my interesting (laughs) versus okay interesting mm. okay (laughs) silence like (laughs) yeah just a nod (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. my 14 is midnight rain my 14 is high infidelity Okay, that's close, but not, it's not a direct neighbor. Well, with high infidelity, it's so fucking funny that she says lock broken, slur spoken, wound open, game token. Girl, that's, that's a lot right there. That is a lot. Game token. Okay, I see the lover board, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the devils roll the dice, angels, yeah, angels roll their eyes. Yeah. And then wound open. Okay, yeah, that references what, a lot of. When are they? When when has if Taylor Swift had like closed wounds, wound, she would have yeah. stopped writing music many many years ago. Exactly. So if she she is a perpetual loser of the I don't give a IGAF fuck. wars, <laughs> yeah. and that's why she's so sister and mother and real and like they like exactly exactly. Taylor is so me because I've also never gotten over anything in my whole life. And I never will. And exactly. Yeah. I'm still open. processing getting slided once in the first grade. So come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also like lock broken. It's like, girl, so a lock is something to keep yourself private. Something's been broken mm-hmm. here. Some Someone's cracked in. There and was the slur. privacy sign on the door. Yeah. But the lock was broke. It was ripped off yeah. and the lock was yeah, broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slur spoken. Girl, what slur? She got called a dyke. <laughs> She did she, by, she, she by the ex-wife in question. Yeah. She the ex-wife Gail called Braun. her a dyke, and then in yeah. in in revenge, they had sex to get revenge right, on Scooter. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is what happened. She's so pretty. Why would you say it like that, Taylor? <laughs> thick, thick as thieves. Interesting, mm. interesting way to 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 label that. But I love I think, the chorus. High infidelity. High infidelity. Put on your records and regret me. Uh, So fucking real. Which I think is interesting because... Your picket fence is sharp as knives. She is tearing down the institution of marriage in Midnight, I Mm -hmm. feel. Like, she is, like, so anti-getting married and Mm -hmm. having everyone want her to get married. And Mm -hmm. the idea of her... Which, like, is a classic feminist approach to being a woman in the public eye right because like Mm -hmm. that is a thing right if you're not if you're a grown woman and you're not married then what are you and yeah it like she yeah she's really facing that because I think the way that the public and even her fans and like everyone treats her is so like she's stuck at this age. She's stuck perpetually in this almost form of like outgrown childhood, even though she is mm-hmm. fully like a woman and old and like old now by industry standards. And she's like grappling yeah. with that. We see this in the Miss Americana documentary, yeah. and like it's really, 
yeah, like I, I just, yeah. Your picket fence is sharp as knives. I was dancing around, dancing around it. She loves to use dancing as a metaphor. She loves to use dancing. Ooh, mm -hmm. ooh, yeah. Do you really Taylor want to Swift know has or, definitely uh, gone to a seance before. She oh my has God. with the witches before. Uh, she loves dancing around things. Because then she says, storm coming, good husband, bad omen. Dragged my feet right down the aisle. At the house, yeah. lonely. Good money, I'd pay if you'd just know me. Seems like the right thing at the time. You know there's many different Whoa. ways you can kill the one you love. The slowest one is never loving them enough. Like, this is you a really want to know where I was April 29th. Verse. Yes, yeah, I yeah, fucking yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But do I really have to tell you how he brought me back to life? That's such an interesting way to, to phrase mm -hmm. it because, like, people are going to immediately interpret that as, like, oh, I was out cheating on April 29th and this man brought me back to life because this other man wanted to drag me to the altar. But, that you know, is, I think I that's... I fear that that is not what she's saying. Yeah, <laughs> if we, like, if we I, look at the text, I like, don't think that that is what she's saying. Because in this one in particular, first of all, good husband, bad omen, dragged my feet right down the aisle. This bitch does not want to get married she said if you see me get married know that it was not me doing yeah it. know that that yeah, is yeah, a yeah. it was it against was not, my will yeah like the text like like if i send you this text that means that i'm trouble yeah, 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 like yeah, if yeah. you see me get married know that something this is a hostage situation like yeah that this and, is a bad omen but then also, also house home another huge motif in her recent work right like yes but good, good money, money, I pay if I you, pay just, if know you me? just know that's me. Crazy. That's crazy. That, that's crazy. That's like, like, the theory that she is paying, that what Joe Allen is, because think of, okay, guys, let's put on our thinking caps and think about what this relationship actually is. Because who is benefiting from her, Taylor is benefiting in that if she has a public boyfriend for six years, people will get off her dick and she will be able to like exist, right? Cause she's like, I'm not getting married. Her team is probably like, you have you have to be with a man. Like you cannot be just a single woman in her thirties with cats, Taylor. And right, like, right, okay. right. She, she plucks Joe out of obscurity, right? Sets mm -hmm. him up, mastermind. What if I told you the first night you saw me, it was all planned. Mm -hmm. Places him in the Met Gala, plucks mm -hmm. him out of there, and mm -hmm. it's like, I will pay you just to know me. All you have to do is be associated with me because Joe has gotten Grammys out of this. He has gotten mm -hmm. roles out of this. He has gotten notoriety and credibility on a seeming, uh, when his name is being Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Are you, he gets to be in conversations with friends, the adaption to a Sally Rooney novel because he's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Are you fucking kidding me? All he has to do is know her and be this facade and sweet nothing. He doesn't even have to say anything of substance. He just has to whisper sweet nothings about her. And he gets loaded and famous. Like... And this is a person, I'm not saying that Joe is like a, is a bad person, right? Because if Taylor Swift came to me and Good said, money, I'll pay I you pay to be my, just know me. yeah, absolutely. I, I'd do a two for a check and I'd be employee right. of the month. Da, 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 yeah. da. Like yeah. he, he's just getting his bag. No hate to him. 
But right. also, it's just so clear that he is not the person that Taylor wants to marry, and that also Taylor is against the concept of marriage itself. All, all they can see me as a one-night or a bride. Good husband, bad omen. Drag me down Drag the aisle. Drag my feet like, right down the aisle. Also, like, seemed like the right thing at the time. You mm-hmm. know there's many different ways that you can kill the one you love. The slowest way is never loving them enough. It almost seems like... Well, that, she thought me, that, that this bearding like... relationship was the right thing at the right time, but then the other person, the person she actually is in a real relationship with, is like, but that means that you didn't love me enough, essentially. Oh, that, okay, see, I hear it in a different way, right? So I think she's initially talking about drawing my feet down the not wanting to. I think it seemed like the right thing at the time. You know, there's many different ways they can kill the one you love. I think that is about her either, like, dad slash management and that six years ago being with joe felt like the right thing to do at the time because it would protect her from homophobia right of coming out being in this relationship with joe would protect her from people digging into what would have been her the major relationship at the time and that ended and then also there are many different ways to kill the one you love the slowest ways not knowing them but not loving them enough reminds me of mm. tolerate it and reading that from the perspective of her father not really being mm-hmm. down for gay Tay. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to the Archers episode where they go over the prologues. And in one of the things that Taylor wrote for either Fearless or Speak Now, she's like, thanks to my dad for like always playing the proud father or something, like as if. Scott is playing the role of a Mm. proud dad rather than actually being a proud dad of Mm. Taylor. And so I think, obviously, her relationship with her father is quite complicated. And there are scenes that we've seen of them having a complicated relationship, such as in Miss Americana. And And then there are also things that we can look at, like, her lyrics. She has such a close relationship with her mom, but her parents have been separated since she was, like, a teenager. Yes, and, like, she was already famous when she was watching her parents get a divorce, which is, like, so crazy. Can't imagine what yeah, that was like. Yeah. So I think that the slowest way is never loving them enough is, like, her dad loves her in the way that a father loves a dog, you know, or that a parent is supposed to love a child, right? But it's never enough. And he's trying he never to protect fully, her yes, without he, really he, having to see her. Exactly, like which we also see, like in the Miss Americana. Do I like, really have to chart the like, constellations in his eyes? The constellations he's seeing so, like beyond. He's seeing the mm-hmm. sky, the stars, but not what's in front of well, you in that moment. I thought the the lines, the two bottom ones of "Do you really want to know where I was?" is, and "Do I really have to tell you how he brought me back to life?" And then also, "Do I really have to chart the constellations in his eyes?" is also in conversation with someone who doesn't want her to be gay. Sorry to bring it back. But it's like, she's probably doing something out gay on April 29th. And she's like, do you really want me to tell you what I, like, like you already yeah. know. You already know. You and don't you want to know, like bitch. It. Like you don't want, like, do you really want to know? No, you don't. So why do you keep uh, berating me about being gay when you want to drag me down the aisle? You want me to have a good husband? You want me mm. to just pay someone to know me, Right. And then also it's like, do I really have to tell you how he brought me back to life? Like, I don't, I don't want to. Like, okay, I'll read the script of how much my boy, yes, I'm happy being a wife. I love my six-year relationship so much. Like, do I, ha- do I really have to tell you? Like, is me not already paying someone just to know me not enough to get you to, 
leave me alone about Pop being off my gay. Dick. Yeah, like, do I really have to chart the consolation in his eyes? Which I think is so interesting, right? Because that to me, that's so to look into someone's eyes is something that's so intimate. And the fact that yeah. we have seen her do that for a prolonged period of time that is forever Hello, on the internet. Um, not that I'm going to drop, I'm going to pull an archer and not drop a name, but I think we all know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I really have to do that with him? Like, no, it's not organic. It's forced. Yeah. It's bought. It's performed. Do I really have to? The mm-hmm. one thing about Toe versus what I think her private relationships actually are, right, is I don't see her and Joe as private. I see it as as minimal as possible. Taylor wants to engage with this relationship as little as possible. Okay, she writes Joe the monthly check of thank you for knowing, thank you for being boyfriend TM. And moving along, she doesn't want to do the photo shoot. She doesn't want to do the big sir. But like, like, do I really have to try the constellation? Like, in this repetition of do you really want to know where I was April 29th? It's like, you don't want to know. I was doing something that you don't like. And what was I doing that you don't like is having genuine relationships and it's gay. (laughs) You know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to know that the real part of my life is queer in a way that you don't approve of. So why are you asking me? And why are you asking me to do things that you know I don't want to do? Is how I Now put on your headphones and burn my city. Your picket fence is sharp as knives. I was dancing around, dancing around it. Exactly. Yeah. She was and dancing so, around it because she wasn't she wasn't touching that shit. If no you way. force her into the suburban wife life, she's gonna take that picket fence and she's gonna fucking kill you with it, okay? Yeah, you yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you try and take away my knives, bitch, I will beat you to death with a picket fence. So right, right, right. yeah, High Infidelity is a song that I really, really like. And I know that on surface level it well, okay, I'll just say that for me, it's 12. It's funny that Hitlers and, like, various Swifties have been interpreting the song as, like, oh, she cheated on Joe with Calvin Harris. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what don't, is going Lennon, on? Lennon, don't laugh. <laughs> what, what is it? So, uh, some national chauvinists are, like, are Marxists now, don't laugh. It's, like, yeah. some Hitlers think that Taylor was <laughs> cheating on on April 29th. Don't laugh. Right, 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 right. Oh, Anyways, Lord. to me, I think that's a silly... That's, well, I remember, like, the night that came out, I was like, everyone was like, I don't know how people are going to explain this because I think there's a lot of stretching, a lot of stretching of the mind. Yeah. Do we even talk What's about Midnight four? Rain? We didn't talk about Well, I will get to it because it's on my top, like, five. Oh, Okay. But notice how I didn't react to you because I'm, I am not yeah. like you. My 14 is Mastermind. That's my 13. Mm. So yeah, Mastermind, we've already talked about it a little bit, right? It's like, come on. She planned mm-hmm. the shit out. Like, well, we, we, we did the poll and it won and I put it in our bio. Our bio now so, says, what if I told you we were a mastermind? It's true. Um, because we are, of yeah, course. And yeah, if you're yeah. a listener of the podcast, then you, you would know. see that vision. Yes. You would understand. Exactly. I think it's a, a crazy song. I think she's crazy that she wrote this and put it out there. Mm-hmm. What if I told you none of it was accidental and the first night that you saw me, nothing was going to stop me. I laid the groundwork. And then just like, like... You see all the wisest women how to do it this way. Because we were born to be the pawn in every lover's game. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. I love how she starts it with once upon a time. Wow. Wow. Mm. The planets and the fates and all the stars aligned. Mm-hmm. 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 She's saying it's a fairy tale. Today was a fairy tale. Uh, I love you to mm-hmm. the moon and to Saturn. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, it's so interesting because it's like, it's it's fantastical almost. Well, and she loves to, like, fictionalize her own life as well. Mm -hmm. Like, she is very aware of the Taylor lore Mm -hmm. that is real in the sense of it being canonized, but not real in the sense of it being what actually happened, Mm -hmm. you know? And, Mm -hmm. like, framing her life as story, which, again, is also part of, like, her talking about herself as if she's already died. Like, it's a part of that. Like, she is creating the narrative of what will happen when she dies. When I first listened to it and listening to it since then, I feel like she's talking about her own career. Like, I did not, I, I don't see it as, I, I see this much more in terms mm. of her relationship to her fans than, like, a romantic relationship. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when, on upon first listening, and even just, like, every time the thing, the chorus of, what if I told you none of this was accidental, the first mm. night that you saw me, I'm thinking of, like, when debut dropped, mm-hmm. you know, like the first time you saw me perform, nothing was going to stop me from being as successful as possible. I laid the groundwork. Mm. I saw the vision when I was young. Yeah. And then just like clockwork, every single part of my career that you've seen, I I knew. Mm-hmm. What if I told you that I was a mastermind? What if I told you that my whole career was by design? And now you, the audience, are mine. Mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. a locked demographic and audience that will keep me as successful in being able to do this for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. it was all by design because I'm a mastermind. And you see all the wisest women had to do it this way. Think of yeah. Beyonce, Madonna, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cher, even other like famous writers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like any major woman that you see have, have a Because we long were born career. to be the pawn in every lover's pawn game. In every lover's game. Because also, think of like Sunny and Cher, right? Like, I mean, not saying that this is about Cher, but like every major artist or anyone that she's looked up to has had a major relationship and has like been played in that way. If you plan, if you fail to plan, then <laughs> you plan to fail. Of course, she's a cat moon. Mm. Um, no, she's not. She's a cancer moon. Oh, She's a Capricorn Mercury. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And then also, no one wanted to play with me as a little kid. So I've been scheming like a criminal ever since. When has she, when did she actually start planning her career? Okay. Like, like, Mm -hmm. it's like, no one wanted to play with her as a little kid. So what did she do with all this excess time? She (laughs) wrote songs. All you're ever going to be is mean. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, and also to make them love me and make it seem effortless. Mm. Also, her career and her relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just a charming girl. I'll invite you to my house. I'll bake you cookies. You'll get mm-hmm. to know my mom. Mm-hmm. You'll fall in love with me in this effortless way. But it was, this is the first time I've ever felt the need to confess. I swear. And then also, I'm only cryptic and Machiavellian because I care. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is her relationship to her fans so mm-hmm. hard. That's why she I gives us to... her Easter eggs and shit, right? Ex- exactly. Like, also, even not to be like, oh, she cares about Gaylers, right? Because that's feeding into the delusion that we've been mm-hmm. called out for in the music video that people call us out for. But also it's like, if, in, in the same thing with like Lavender Gate, if you're like, it would be worse for her to address it, right? It would put us under even more scrutiny mm-hmm. if instead of 
you know, a couple people hating Gaylers or even knowing that we exist without being a Gayler. If all tw 228 million plus people yeah, knew yeah. about Gaylerism, yeah. Ooh, that, girl. that would be way worse. So she has to be, she's only cryptic and Machiavellian because she cares, right? She mm -hmm, cares mm -hmm. about the safety and the enjoyment of her friends. But then us so, being like, we knew the whole time. Because we, we knew mm -hmm. that she's a mastermind. So yeah, girl, we know you're crazy. Exactly. And we fuck with it. So to me, Mastermind is another song where she's talking to us in a way, but more in that she's talking about her own career, mm. her own yeah. prowess as yeah. a hashtag businesswoman. And like as an artist, right? And being able to curate herself. She could, yeah. You could say she's a mastermind. It, it, she has the mind of a master. Literally. So, yeah. My 13 is vigilante shit. Which I love. Again, I love all mm -hmm. these songs. But mm -hmm. it doesn't beat out the next 12 for me, personally. But yeah. I really enjoy yeah. this song. I think it's so fun. I think everyone hating on the first line, draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man, is like, girl. Mm -hmm. She's been on Tumblr since she was... <laughs> No, literally. Like, I'm like, to me, I'm like, this... To me, this is I normal. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, part of listening to Taylor Swift is you're gonna get a couple of lines off of a Tumblr post. Right, 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 again. right. Like, she wrote the lyric, comes comes back stronger than a 90s trend, yeah. so you're just gonna have to fucking yeah. roll with some of the punches. Right, okay? right, 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 right. Someone who, I don't know, should I put her on blast? I don't, someone messaged me and was like, vigilante, you're going to lose your mind when you hear vigilante shit because she literally comes out in that song. And mm. I was like, right, right. Picture me thick as thieves with your ex-wife and she looks so pretty mm -hmm. driving in your bands. And also, I, well, I don't dress for women. The, I don't dress for yeah, men. Yeah, the obvious. Lately I've been dressing for revenge. Like, okay, girl. Sure. Uh-huh. You're, addre you're addressing everyone in the room. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good evening, distinguished guests. Okay, no Very <laughs> <laughs> that. In the hype of, of my reaction, I found low I thought vigilante shit, especially on first listen. That was probably one of the most enjoyable first listens. I thought it was very cunt. I thought it was very sexy. You I know. know. It's just, it's and the listener, the patrons know, because you were literally dancing and shaking ass in I front was. of us. So... We, we, I was. Know. I, we saw. I thought it was so much fun. I think that this might be just like my, my delusion or whatever, but I see like that I don't dress for women. Well, I made a tweet. She doesn't dress for women because she undresses for women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also the obvious reasons of why Only I Only bought dress this dress for, so you could take it off. It Vary that. Okay, if you look at the text. But then also that I don't dress for men. Pretty self. I think that that that's her on her feminist shit again. Mm -hmm. And then lately, I've been dressing for revenge. Lizzie, wife of Katie, co-host of the Archers podcast, um, has a hit tweet that is a screenshot of um, uh, yes, is, Yale uh, Braun of yeah Yale, wearing like this white dress with like white feather uh -huh. like sleeves things. And then another dress of her in this blue with stars. Mm -hmm. And then Taylor in the outfit that was the blue with the mm -hmm. stars with yeah, the, like, the white Yeah, the Met Gala post. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. And so it's like the three the three different types of dress, right? She doesn't dress for women, mm -hmm. right? Because she, she dresses to get undressed. She doesn't dress for men because 
she doesn't care about them and mm-hmm. what they have to say about her. And lately she's been dressing for revenge because if you are going to see her, you're going to fucking want to kill yourself every single time if right, you're Scooter right, right, Braun. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Because she's so, going to look exactly like your wife. And it's going to yeah. be like, yeah, exactly. I fucked her. Now and what? When you, <laughs> I ruined you your life. See her, now what? When you're driving down the street and you see posters of her, does she say fuck you forever? Like, yeah, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You I think cannot vigilante shit is such a, like, a sequel to Mad Woman, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. a literal follow-up of like, literally, you know, and all the good wives know, right? Like. Yes. And. Oh, oh, exposing Scooter. Because that's the song where she just said that Scooter was fully cheating. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, exactly. And then this song, she's like, oh, and by the way, he does coke as well. Yeah. Um, and in this song, she said she had the envelope. Collar where did you think she got it from? Me, bitch. Exactly. My 12 is The Great War. Really? Mm-hmm. Is, is that's the, like one of. Is The Great War one of your top five? Yeah. Well, yeah, you told me that you were, like, listening to it obsessively today. Yeah. That, that's one of, that's the first one that I think has, like, the biggest jump It's grown on in. you a lot, yeah. Well, that one, no, but I was thinking about in our rankings. Like, all of ours are, like, yeah. most of our songs, except for, I guess, Snow on the Beach is the only one that I've said that you haven't said already. Mm-hmm. But besides that, almost all of our songs have been, like, with, like, either one or two placements off. So that's like the biggest jump between mm-hmm. us. We 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 found the point of divergence. The thing is with the Great War is that I think it's so good. Like I think the lyrics mm. are phenomenal, and I think like mm-hmm. production wise and stuff like it's very much an Aaron Dessner song as well. And yeah, yeah live laugh love for that. Obviously, the way that she starts it off, mm-hmm. my knuckles are bruised like violets. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. Dyke, gay. Lesbian. And. Also, contextual, hashtag contextually, right? This is the first song of the mm-hmm. seven bonus tracks. So mm-hmm. it, it, when the three hours elapsed and we pressed play on the mm-hmm. Great War, and then also heard my knuckles were bruised like violets, I was whiplashed onto that wall mm-hmm. over there mm-hmm. by the sheer force, mm-hmm. and then my crumpled body slid down. Yes. Okay? Yes. Like a Great War, one might say. Uh-huh. And I love, maybe it was ego swinging. Maybe it was her. Girl, what? Mm-hmm. Flashes of the battle came back to me in a blur. Crimson Clover. Okay, girl. Another red. We mm-hmm. got more red imagery. Tears colors. on the letter. Again, dear reader, that letter, yeah. I vowed not mm-hmm. to cry anymore if we survive the great war. You drew up some good faith treaties. Mmm, treaties. I drew curtains closed. Yep privacy i drank my poison mm-hmm. all alone you s- very romeo and juliet you said i have mm. to trust more freely but diesel is desire you were playing with fire somewhere in the haze got a sense i'd mm-hmm. been betrayed your finger got a sense i'd been betrayed followed directly by your finger on my hairpin triggers yeah soldier down on the icy ground Looked up at me with your honor and truth. Broken and blue. So I called off the truth. paper rings. That was the night I nearly lost you. I really thought I lost you. It was war. It wasn't fair. Wow. Which is interesting, right? Because all is fair in love and war, mm-hmm. right? 
But here she's saying it was war, it wasn't fair. And also this being a larger metaphor for a relationship, right? So if all is fair in love and war, yet it was war and it wasn't fair, girl, how nasty can it be? What like, that's such a interesting opposition to that, mm -hmm. I guess, you know? And we'll never go back to that. And I think this, she ends it right with, I vowed I would always be yours because we because we survived the Great War. And then repeats that a couple times. And then the song ends with, I vowed I will always be yours. I think this song, to me, more than Labyrinth per se, is like having a, more of the reconciliation mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. going back yeah. to a very yeah. <laughs> turbulent relationship, one could say. One that she thought ended die, because of up. betrayal. Maybe it's the past that's talking, screaming from the crypt, telling me to punish you for mm -hmm. things you never did. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, she's also accepting, you know, blame in that, where she's like, I, mm -hmm. the past was really want, making me want to punish you, but it's, you didn't mm -hmm. really do anything wrong. And so we can, re See, we've overcome the great war. And this, okay, right? Because there's the other song where she says like 2060 blah, blah, blah days, right? Mm -hmm. And someone did the math. And mm -hmm. on that day, she mm -hmm. was with Carly Kloss. Mm -hmm. Now, stay with me. I'm not saying that I think this to be true. Uh -huh. But if I were a crazier person, let's uh -huh. put on, not the thinking cap, but the crazy cap. The tin foil. I right. think that her and Carly Kloss might still be together. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, ha and have been. Because they got over it. About... The song is proof that they got over it. Because it wasn't yes. even really betrayal. Yeah. Exactly. Because... And wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Lin-Manuel Miranda changed his Instagram bio to the dominoes cascaded and aligned. What if I told you I'm a mastermind? And then okay, he reposted sir. a meme that was like Aaron Burr and and uh, Alexander Hamilton like shaking hands. And it's like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Like him being a Swifty for this album specifically is so fucking funny because when you were talking about dying and legacy and focusing on that, in my mind, I was like, this mm -hmm. is why you, like we were so into Hamilton when we, like you were a kid. <laughs> like this is why. True. The like, True. I imagine death so much. It feels Taylor like Swift is writing like she's running out of time. That's for damn sure. Like, oh my God. Anyways, anyways, that's fucking hilarious to me. Anyways, back, back, back to the real shit. Back to my Kaylor theorizing, right? Because I'm, I'm a Kaylor at heart. That's mm -hmm. that. It, telling me to punish you for things you never did. Because like part of the Taylor scooter, like downfall you know, mm -hmm. the whole thing with buying back her masters, right? Like, Taylor, or Carly was very much tied up in that and was often seen as, like, the great betrayer for, you know, going out with Scooter, still having some kind of, like, relationship with him and, and you know, was, was villainized by the Gaylor community for a while. But recently, yeah. of recent, I've seen, or particular Gaylors yeah. become nicer to Carly, yeah. right? <laughs> People are getting called out for spamming Carly's like comment section yeah. and stuff like that and harassing her online. But also learning and realizing that like Carly was a client of Scooter, right? So the lunches that she was going out with him yeah, weren't yeah, yeah. because she was betraying Taylor, yeah. but because it was an employee like meeting, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. She had to maintain that relationship. So, you know, she... And the contract ended and they're punished. no longer... Yeah. 
Exactly. So Carla was punished for things that she never did. Like, it is possible that Carly never betrayed Taylor, or even if they uh, are broken up, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not invested in that, that they're still together. But I think it proves for this song to be an interesting reading. What did break them up was was unrelated to Taylor's exactly. like career way in this that, way that it yeah, was yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. social it was a not normal breakup but like yeah you know it was a relationship not related. like yeah yeah, yeah yeah it was like oh we I had think, a falling out falling out like break up break up exactly and I think that is like shows itself in some of the more reflective like mm-hmm. relationship think, like, reflective lyrics mm-hmm. is like oh betrayal and what you think it is and what you are mad at someone for versus what they actually did even though you're still mad but then also surviving that right or oh I'm falling in love again or I've like it or even if the thing being the great war being the the, the masters right in the real court and all of mm-hmm. that if we survive this I vow to always be yours. Yeah. And the fact that we're still getting songs that are tied to Carly Kloss, like Maroon, yeah. you know, or even yeah. Right Where You Left Me, mm-hmm. it's like, well, bitch, it's by the skin of their teeth, by the skin of their teeth, did they survive the Great War, but it's possible. And if that's the case, who has she vowed herself to be with forever? Because I do not think that any of the things in this song makes sense necessarily yes not in the way Mm -hmm. that like lavender Hayes does in terms of all they ever see me is like a one night or a bride you know they want they keep asking me you know am I gonna be your bride like all of that stuff and then like fighting those battles right I'm like oh that's that's separate from you right 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 but I also think I my interpretation of lavender Hayes I think Mm -hmm. there's I mean we'll get into it once we get into that but anyways yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, I see Lavender Hayes for gay. I'm not I'm not writing off Lavender Hayes as like a straight Oh no, for sure, for sure. No, it's not song. just about Joe, for sure. Yeah. Just being like, oh, the different battles that she's fighting, this doesn't come off as a Joe coded battle to me. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I'm again curious. I'm like yeah. But I think Hitler's something probably else is here. would interpret it as like as like, oh, like the Great War is just like what she's been through or whatever like okay girl whatever mm. anyways <laughs> yeah well my 11 is labyrinth which we've already talked about oh okay my 11 is you're on your own kid mm, okay here okay so almost basically like paris forward but now we're getting into the spot where this like middle section isn't even mid because i really like h- high infidelity and you're on your own kid mm-hmm. but I just can't put them higher than any of the songs that are above them. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah. But anyways, so I, I really like You're On Your Own Kid. I think that it's so seven-coded. It's so, mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful and triumphant almost track five. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's also very... Scott Swift homophobia coded. Um, yes. Yeah, that's my interpretation. And I also think, like, it's so... It's personal to me. Like, it, it, like emotionally for me, it really resonates because of the way that she... Like, I think I did, like, a little Twitter thread about this, but... or It's, like, the way that this song is really, like... Things have been bad, and it's like, yeah, it's because you're on your own. 
kid, mm-hmm. like literally as a child. But then with when you're addressing your like inner child as like a kid, it's like, yeah, things have been bad and like things are h- tough now. And you've been coping with it as much as you can. And there's like a symmetry there as well within the lyrics, which, you know, that just means that like you have the strength and capacity to get through it. You have the, you're mm-hmm. on your own, kid. That means you can continue. You got it. You can keep going and you, mm-hmm. you know, you've got no reason to be afraid, right? Take the moment and taste it. You've got no reason to be afraid. You're on your own, kid. Yeah, you can face this. You're on your own, kid. You always have been. It's like you you have yourself because you always have had yourself and you've always had that inner self within you. She ta- she's taught, she's addressing her like inner child and her like her younger self's wounds in this like highly, in- like in this intellectualized way. Taylor's sort of intellectualizing her emotions more so than like having these soaring emotions the way that her previous albums have had. And I think mm-hmm. like, like that's that's true and i think it's because she's like a 32 year old woman and she's sort of being (laughs) yeah a a capricorn mercury like she's really reflecting and thinking about this shit in a way that's like really addressing it in a way that i'm like there's so much introspection involved and it's just so Mm -hmm. it makes me happy because that's too real for me as a cat moon like exactly well this is one of my favorites of the album, even though it's my 11. Again, also because I relate to, not like, oh, I relate to it, like I'm Taylor Swift, but the talking to your inner child and reflecting on your past as an adult, almost like going back in time and giving your younger self advice in those moments Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. is also a part of, right, the narrative of life, talking about yourself Uh, or thinking about your life from an outside perspective, talking about yourself as if you're already dead. Part of that is also communicating with your past selves, right? You're on Mm -hmm. your own kid. So I think that really speaks to me in this album. Or I I, I play my songs in the parking lot, I'll run away. This Oh, writing in my room, I play my songs in the parking lot, I'll run away. That line, and then also... I search the party of better bodies just to learn that my dreams aren't rare. That, to me, feels related to Mastermind in terms of yeah. constructing her, knowing her like, career. Public persona, career, yeah. Mm-hmm. From the beginning. So, like, I write, writing in my room, I play my songs in the parking lot as, like, the beginnings of her career. And then mm-hmm. just to learn that my dreams aren't rare. And then that realization from her at a very young age made her realize, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to be successful at this, I have to plot and scheme from the beginning and Mm -hmm. set up these dominoes so Mm -hmm. that when I press go, everything turns out in my favor. Because if if my dream isn't rare, if everyone is trying to be famous and a Mm -hmm. pop star and a successful artist, then I have to outsmart them. I have to have an edge that Mm -hmm. no one else has. And the idea of successful Taylor going back in time and telling her younger self that advice and then this album yeah, being it, the meeting really of those two people. Yeah. Yeah. But also like And it's perfect and it's beautiful. Yes, and like her going through the hellfire and the brimstone and already being like incredibly private and in setting these boundaries with the world at 32 years of age, right? And then going back in time and giving that advice to her younger self and being like, you better 
harden and toughen up now right is really Mm -hmm. heartbreaking Mm -hmm. but then she also credits her success to that Mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. like winning at what cost Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. living out your dream at which what is cost. so thematically like relevant right because like even in the prologue mm-hmm. she says like you know you climb higher but you, it just gets colder right mm-hmm. and like i i think there's so many lines in here that are just like so oh fucking brutal mm-hmm. like um i see the great escape so long daisy may that's like what girl daisy um hello from sprinkler spa- splashes mm-hmm. to fireplace ashes that's such an interesting like piece of imagery to repeat and then i gave mm-hmm. my blood sweat and tears for this again with the career mm-hmm. thing right like i hosted yes. parties and starved my body like i'd be saved by a perfect kiss that's so brutal the jokes mm-hmm. weren't funny i took the money my friends from home don't know what to say i looked mm-hmm. around in a blood-soaked gown again like right? Like, what did I give up to get to this point? And like, how, how have I lost myself in getting it? And this idea that I could be saved by a perfect kiss is like, oh, wow. Yeah. She's really progressing through every stage of one's life up till this point in a Mm -hmm. way that's like, so wow. Like this is so 1989, obviously. Right. Where it's like, I hosted parties and starved my body. Of course, like, like referencing her eating disorder during mm-hmm. like that time in her life and the pa- the fact that she was like known as you know hosting parties obviously and uh, my friends from home don't know what to say I looked around in a blood-soaked gown whoa that is that is some visceral imagery and then it turns right where she's like and I saw something they can't take away because there were pages turned with the bridges burned. I love how in the bridge, mm-hmm. she says, with the bridges burned. Like, okay. Same. Because there were pages Same. turned with the bridges burned. Everything you lose is a step you take. So make the friendship bracelets. Take the moment and taste it. You've got no reason to be afraid. Like She's like, just live in the moment. Because ultimately, like, mm-hmm. you will lose things. And you will lose people. But... That doesn't mean that you can't experience that moment for what it is uh, because you're on your own, kid, and you can face this. Like, you're mm-hmm. on your own, kid. You always have been. Like, what? Like, you always have been is like so sad because, like, oh, mm-hmm. when you were young and you thought that you had people supporting you, again, going back and reading the prologues and the acknowledgements that she's written for her previous albums, like, in mm-hmm. the beginning. All the way up until about 1989, I think, is when they kind of change. She, like, has these really long acknowledgments of, like, these very personal thank you. I mean, that are being published. But these mm-hmm. very personal thank yous that she's saying to these different people that supposedly helped her career, right? Her support system at the time of making these different mm-hmm. albums. And so for her to say, you're on your own, kid. You always have been. It's like, even when you thought that these people were supporting you, they actually weren't. And you Mm -hmm. have been doing this by yourself the Mm -hmm. entire time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like, now, you know, she's a 32-year-old woman who has a career. But Mm -hmm. her job started with child labor and exploitation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like... 15 signing a contract that was gonna, yeah, fuck her over. Exactly. You know, like... The way that now she's a woman with a career, but it started with her being a prop for Mm -hmm. these record labels and these grown men to get rich off of her. Mm -hmm. And that is 
an extremely tragic realization that she could only come to with time Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, growing mm -hmm. up. And now Mm -hmm. we're getting the lyrics and the arts and the songs that then emerges from that. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you're on your own kid, but like, look, we're here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, And it was tragic. And, but we got through it. It's kind of like how right where you left me is immediately followed up by it's time to go. Like, uh, well, I was, okay, so the songs, because there are pages turned and bridges burned, everything you lose is a step you take, reminds me so much of Right Where You Left Me because mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. pages turned and lessons learned. Um, yes, yes, pages turned and lessons learned, yes. Also, the bridge of that song, She's Still 23, Insider Fantasy, How It Was Supposed to Be, Did You Hear About the Girl Who Lives in Delusion, Breakups Happen Every Day, Don't Have to Lose It, She's Still 23, Insider Fantasy, and you're sitting in front of me, and then we get back into at the restaurant. I could feel the mascara run, you told me that you met someone, right? So this song really, really is, um, obviously we have the pages turn, bridges burn, everything you lose is a step you take, right? And right where you left me Friendship is so full bracelets. of mourning. But then, friends break in up, friends get song, married. But also, and right where you left me, it almost feels like she's living in delusion, and that feels like there's a lot of like regret in it. But I feel like from because there are pages turn and bridges burn. One that makes me think that there's an alternative bridge to songs that we've never heard. Like there are confessions that are part of songs that we'll never hear, right? Because those bridges are burned; they'll never be like. I think Bridges Burned is almost a double entendre, especially because it's paired with Pages Returned. That makes me think that she's not talking about like burning bridges yeah, in it's relationships, like her writing. but she's burning. Yeah. yeah, she's burning bridges, especially. Okay, sorry. Asterisk footnote again in this rant that I'm saying. I'll get to my main point, especially because Taylor is known for writing bridges. Like it yep, is like yep, there are yep. compilations of Taylor Swift top ten bridges, right? Like, mm-hmm, and other mm-hmm. artists don't have that necessarily like that's a very taylor specific Mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. so for her to say there were pages turned with bridges burned Mm -hmm. okay a lot there that's a lot to unpack and then so make the friendship bracelet take the moment and taste it you've got no reason to be afraid is like we have seen her express regrets on her girl boss like her taylor friend group era like a lot and regretting Mm -hmm. having such public friendships right because of how it's played out and being like oh if i was older if i knew differently i wouldn't have done that to then see this lyrics of actually you know what no make the friendship bracelets take the moment and taste it you have no reason to be afraid to me is such a radically different it's position. a growth moment for her. It's why she's still, it's Very. why she's publicly friends with people like the Heim sisters and like, even like Drake yes. and like Jack Antonoff and like very publicly like works with these people and admires them and collaborates with like Zoe Kravitz. Like she, she And makes her on these, and off mm-hmm. friendship with Selena Gomez, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, And now them being back in their bestie era. To say, so make the friendship bracelets, like to give permission, especially on something that is so female friendship coded, like it's not just friendship coded, but mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, you don't friendship make friendship bracelets girls. with boys. Mm-mm. And I don't think boys make friendship bracelets with each other either. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that's so interesting, especially when we eventually get to would have, could have, should have, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the line of, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first. Mm-hmm. And in this song where she's talking to her younger self, she says, so make the friendship, right? Like, 
do the girlhood things is yes. like yeah. that's why this Bruh. is also so seven coded right where it's yeah. like she's directly referring to this imagery and visceral sort of like reality of childhood and of girlhood specifically and like the relationships that you you have with that my number 10 is question mm, interesting question is okay we're getting we're getting into real dicey territory okay yeah. all of these songs from here on out well actually you're on your own kid included neck and neck and neck and neck and neck i true like i wish i could have a like a flat w- top like to me n- none of these songs should be below like the th- below a top five but unfortunately you can only have a top five my time being glitch is mm-hmm. well okay question for me is in my top five is Glitch in your top five? Yes. Interesting. Okay, so we like alternate in that end. Well, yeah. Glitch has another great friend moment. We were supposed to be just friends. Yeah. Okay. I think this is. Friends. But then we started. Blood. No, I'm blood Moonlit. 2190 days of our love blackout. Oh, oh yeah, this is this is this is the... this is a Kaler song. I'm so sorry. Yeah, blood moonlit. Mm-hmm. And this is like, like post their bestie era, right? It's like we're we're supposed to be just friends, and you don't live yeah. in my part of town, but maybe I'll see you out some weekend. Oh Lord, and what's it? Oh. Depending on what kind of mood and situationship I'm in, and what's in my system. <laughs> she's so real for this and though also, yeah she wrote this for 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 us messy ass dykes like she knows <laughs> she knows she knows because she's a, the 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 glitch is the liminal space between bisexual with the boyfriend and he they dyke okay and, and the indie glitch, for indie and foot yeah. for foot like i mean my 10 being glitch i mean yeah it's mm-hmm. good but it's at the middle of the road for me because it's like mm-hmm. wow this is so fun to listen to and it's so hashtag real but it's not beating up I the others. I think it's interesting that our yours is glitch and mine is question because to me they're like quite similar like I ha- I like I think I was like debating uh what like, position they in, would be in uh-huh yeah of of the two because to me they they kind of serve in the similar hmm. genre ish of of my readings of them, but I I love to me I can like listen to like the sound of glitch and it also could be that the production this is, is one of really the songs fun yeah this is one of the songs that I've been re- reaching towards the most mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of like replaying and be like actually let me let me put this on loop for right, a, a right, couple right. of times so that's why glitches is. Yeah. A little bit higher than question. For me, even though, question is oh. just like one of those songs mm-hmm. that at the very beginning, it's like, I remember. I'm like, oh, let me mm-hmm. turn this shit up. Mm. <laughs> it's one of those ones that's yeah. like so ear candy to me. I'm like, yum, yum, yum. But anyway. Yeah. Do we want to hold off on question when we get to where it is for yeah, your sure. placement? My nine is Snow on the Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just like how it sounds, to be honest. I'm just like... Mm-hmm. I like the little Christmassy beginning, but then the rest of it is so, like, 
it's it's catchy it's like snow on the beach like oh yeah yeah exactly like no, i do need I, to get yeah yeah it's like very i like, sway and vibe too, no to literally song, swaying lot. and vibing to this it's i mean i think mm-hmm. it's you hear lana's writing in this you know it's like not because mm-hmm. she's in the writing credits you don't really hear her voice yeah obviously but like really writing uh, no yeah, one yeah, has yeah, noticed yeah. right 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 i think but, i think she has she's pretty forward they really bumped yeah, her yeah, vocals yeah, 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 on yeah. that but i do like her background vocals on it when I heard yeah. it, I was like, oh, L- Lana's in the back. I hear her. I hear her in the studio. Um, and by Lana's in the back, way back. Back of the studio, yeah. in the parking lot, whispering, <laughs> turned around. And they said, we'll pick it. We'll be able to pick it up from here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> now I'm all Anyways. for you like Janet. Can this be a real thing, can it? That oh, I love the video of Janet, yeah, Jackson. Of Janet Jackson being like, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Please. Which also, I cannot imagine the absolute fear and horror of knowing that anytime you so much as mention a celebrity's name, like, they will have a re- Like, Taylor can't mention- unless they're dead, like Williams Warsworth, like, they will react to her mentioning her. I do like Snow on the Beach, but- and I'll take it, and I like it, but don't- don't give me this and say, oh, I collab with Lana. No. I need, I need verses. But we already talked about why I think that some some artists get a verse and some artists don't. Yeah. Taylor on Gasoline by Haim. You know how it's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Haim song, but Taylor's on. I would want like a Lana. It's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be sick. Yeah. I do hope that that does happen now that they have like a working relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. My number nine is Vigilante shit. Because you enjoy it a lot. Yeah. We already talked about it. I do. My number eight is mm-hmm. Bejeweled. My number eight is Karma. I love this song. Love, love, love this yeah. song. Yeah, we know. And I know eight seems low for how much I love yeah. it. We're getting, we're getting tight up yeah, in here. Yeah, okay. I mean, eight is pretty low for painful. how much I enjoy Bejeweled as well. Like, Bejeweled is a really fun song. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it. And I think it's... Uh, Mm-hmm. It's a sequel in a, to Mirrorball well, very much, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, did did all the extra credit then got yes. graded on a curve, right? Diamonds in my eyes, I polished up real mm-hmm. nice. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. miss you. I, and I miss you, but I miss sparkling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also, Karma and Bejeweled to me is kind of like glitch in question in that I can't, for some reason, unlink them in my brain. Hmm, interesting. So, like, in the ranking, Bejeweled and Glitch, Glitch are neighbors, and, like, it goes Karma, Vigilante, and Qu- like, they are all next to each other because, to me, their counterparts are higher. <laughs> like, I couldn't put Bejeweled and Karma too close to each other because I, I need them represented both in the top and the midsection to kind of tie them interesting. together. I don't know if that makes sense to in anyone else's brain, but first of all, you tweeted this and I tweeted something to the same effect of Karma is my if boyfriend. Karma is Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Who the fuck is Joe? Who the fuck is Joe? <laughs> like, who who is he is cooked in a lab. He is a mannequin of a man right. who's just propped up to stand next to Taylor. And then also I think Karma's my boyfriend. I love right, how she boy. says Karma okay. is a Weave your little webs of opacity. My pennies made your crown. Mm-hmm. Trick me once, trick me twice. Exactly. Don't you know that cash ain't the only price? 
It's coming back around and I keep my side of the street clean. You wouldn't know what I mean. Yeah, bitch, because you're being Machiavellian and whatever the fuck. But we know what you're talking about. We see you. We know that we know what you're talking about. We know that you're cashing out on some shit. Sweet like justice is interesting, right? Because she has the sweet like honey in the chorus. And then also karma is a queen, which is like the only other gendered term mm. besides boyfriend. I'd say God is could could be gendered masculine, but I'd say it's almost like gendered g- genderless. And then, and then spider boy, everything king of else, thieves thing, which is like hilarious. Yeah, but but because but I'm I'm oh, talking about like what karma is. Yeah, oh. like the things that she's saying karma is mm-hmm. spider boy king is the, like she's talking about someone else. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that she breaks that with karma is a queen, and then karma takes all my friends to the summit. Uh, but then ends it with karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me. It's like, what do you mean like that? Especially when you're the one who's running home and sweet nothing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it also kind of that line of karma's the guy on my screen coming straight home to me reminds me of uh, call it what you want with what's the lyric with walking with your head down? I'm the one. Is it like walking with that down straight to me? Well, anyways, that's not. What makes me like karma? I just think it's so catchy. I also like it when she's evil in a fun way, right? Because it's just, it's such a pop song. She's like, I don't even have to do anything. I was going to enact great revenge and I've been dressing for revenge and I might call the feds, but ultimately for the rest of you bitches, besides mm-hmm. Scooter Braun, who I'm having sex with his ex-wife and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outing his dirty secrets, karma will take care of you. Mm-hmm. And if you even want to think about running away from what is coming back around to you mm-hmm. don't worry because karma's a bounty hunter mm-hmm. but also i think there's clear references to the you know hashtag masters and all that stuff mm-hmm. with my pennies made your crown trick me once trick me twice uh anyways that one because that also reminds me of he has my past frozen behind glass yes yes but i've got me also i think it's just insane that she has a song called karma when one of the huge theories on gaylor tiktok was and just like within swifties Mm -hmm. at large of like the lost album right that was supposed to come out after reputation after before reputation after reputation no before Reputation, yeah. that fans had called Karma, right? Yeah. And then we saw in the Midnight's Mayhem when she was, like, giggling yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And she's like, it's called Karma. Hee 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 That's why you're Ted Bundy. Yeah. That is why she can't beat the Ted Bundy allegations. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways. My seven is You're On Your Own, Kid. Slay. Very valid. Very valid. My seven is Antihero. Interesting, because my six is anti-hero. Oh, my six is maroon. Whoa, interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about anti-hero. Okay. This song... Very the Lavender Menace. No, like... (laughs) Oh, my God. Both as us as Taylor defenders and as uh, as us being the anti-hero that people are exhausted defending. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love her, did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguise as altruism, like some kind mm-hmm. of congressman. Like That's crazy. Right. Because, you know, she's talked about that all the time, right? Where she's like, 
you know, if you're, yeah. as an artist, and as, like, a hashtag female artist, and as hashtag Taylor Swift, like, mm-hmm. when I am a mastermind, people are like, okay, this bitch is crazy, but, like, also, if I don't plan ahead when things happen, then, like, what am I supposed to do? And that, like, if I'm being kind, mm-hmm. then I'm be scheming, like, I'm some kind of congressman. Again, this reference to, like, politics mm-hmm. here is so interesting, because in the music video, obviously, again, it's, like, that covering up the gay allegations with her coming out as a Democrat thing, but also just, like, the idea of, like, her being this, like, somewhat aware of the politics of mm-hmm. presentation, and... I also think that framing it as a question reminds me of The Archer, um, and this song reminds me of The Archer in many, many ways. I think I have them together on my Midnight's and More playlist. Uh, because she's asking, did you hear my covert narcissism? Like, the ugly truth that I think that I have, right? Which is my covert narcissism. I disguise as altruism, like some kind of congressman. Reminds me of The Archer, and she's like, they see right through me. I see right through me. Mm. Do you see right through yeah, me? Yeah. Right? Did you hear that? There's a lot of just very vulnerable truths of how Taylor Swift sees herself and how she is never sure. Like, do people think that she is pretending or is she actually pulling it off, Mm -hmm. right? Which we also see in The Archer as well. Anything that comes with the anti-hero, right? It must be exhausting always rooting for the anti-hero. She thinks that us being fans of her is exhausting, right? Because we are fighting for our lives every single day. And so she thinks that she's putting us through the ringer of her being like this monster on the hill, right? This this monstrous narcissist. Yeah. It must be exhausting defending me. But in reality, we love her. We see this. We fight these battles. Huh. And at the end of the day, we're like, And oh, we relate. That's I love so her mean. so much. I also exactly. feel like I am the problem it's me and everybody agrees Mm -hmm. and it's like you know I'll stare directly at the sun I'll I'll face this danger and I will put myself Mm -hmm. in the path of of direct spotlight being in the middle of the light but I won't even look at myself sorry and (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's I think someone said like anti-hero is like the dark me Yes. Yeah. Right. Because it's also it's pretty upbeat. Mm -hmm. It's like fun. It's boppy, and like the music video is pretty camp. Also, can we talk about the Alice in Wonderland visual reference in Mm. Antihero as well? Yeah. When she's like super large and and there's Mm -hmm. the dinner party that's happening in tea time. Like I was like, whoa. Like okay, going into Alice in Wonderland territory, which is usually Diana coded, right? But this seems quite so personal, personal, quite introspective. So I was, I was a little interested in that, right? I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could be that, you know, she just likes the visuals and, you know, I'm sure she spent a lot of time thinking and writing about Alice in Wonderland or whatever. Oh, well. So it could I, just be something. Yeah. And she's like, but sometimes sorry. I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. Too I, big to hang out. I defend that line. Yes, hate sexy baby. But obviously that, like, means something because the sexualized infantilization of women is obviously such a huge element of, like, this impediment to her career 
almost for mm-hmm. her because she's always been like, yeah, when I was younger, I think people in the music industry just saw me as like a kid, not like a woman in the industry. And now mm-hmm. I'm like seen as too big. I'm, I'm monstrous, right? I'm a monster on the hill, too big to hang out, slowly lurching towards your favorite city. And, well, and also it's like, have we ever heard such an honest and vulnerable uh, utterance of what women are expected to perform in a pop song on this in in this way sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby that's the truth of the matter that is the truth of patriarchy is sexy baby but we when is that actually ever called out for what it is Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and her not wanting to participate in that makes and I'm the monster on the hill right so not only is she not a sexy baby because she's not and that being just what her natural body is, right? Not performing sexy baby automatically makes her a monster regardless of what she looks like. But she's also removed from that completely. She's on the hill, right? She's, uh-huh. she's away and exiled, if we yeah, bring it back. Yeah. Away from everybody else. Too big to hang out, which I think is interesting. One, too big as in a celebrity to hang out. She can't chill. She can't just hop uh-huh, outside uh-huh. and do whatever. But also like too big in terms of the visually in the music video, right? She yeah. is like large. She's a, a giant. giant. And then also like this monster on the hill. And when I heard it, it reminded me of like when you are a lesbian in mm-hmm. a space where there is homoeroticism between women, but mm-hmm. as the performance of men in a way that you mm-hmm. as a lesbian are not allowed to express eroticism yeah. with yeah. other women because that's monstrous, right? And that's deserving of being exiled. But... Girls making out at a party is, yeah. a, is is sexy, right? And so feeling like your own womanhood, your own personhood, and your own sexuality is monstrous, and it makes you the problem, mm-hmm. right? And thinking about it makes you a narcissist, right? And you actually have to dis- disguise your wants as altruism. But of course, this is a tale as old as time, right? When our non-normative woman not seen as as monstrous yeah right it's just to me i just think it's so profound and so explicit and so direct of the actual issues that she's talking about but the fact that people did saw that and saw it as like poor lyricism or thought it was like a oh creepy and weird line to say that sometimes i feel like everybody is a sexy baby it's like no that's the truth that is mm-hmm. the truth of the situation Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. so I'm just very passionate in the way that I defend that line, but I haven't actually, another thought I haven't tweeted about because I just don't even want to invite that discourse. I don't even want to be a voice in that. Yeah, yeah. My What's your six? Fi- my six was anti-hero. That's what we were talking about. My five is right, okay. Midnight Rain, which... Oh, interesting. I've, it's grown on me. That one has also grown on me a lot. Because at first I didn't like it. And then and then I, I, I took that back. I took back my words. Yeah. I love the production. And mm-hmm. it's so catchy to me. Her being like, I'm, I don't want to be a bride. Right? He wanted mm-hmm. a comfortable. I wanted that pain. He wanted a bride. I was making my mm-hmm. own name. Chasing that fame. He stayed the same. My town was a wasteland full of cages. Okay, cages, I see you. Full of fences, <laughs> again, white picket fence, okay. Fencing you in, keeping you in. 
keeping you contained when you're a monster on the hill. Pageant queens and big pretenders, right? But for some, it was paradise. Mm-hmm. I think this is so, like, Hollywood core, right? Like, wasteland yeah. of L.A. and it's full of cages. And I love how she says, I broke his heart because he was nice. Yep, female manipulator slay. And mm-hmm. also, again, it came like a postcard. Picture-perfect shiny family. Holiday peppermint candy. But for him, it's every day. She's, like, really railing against this idea of this suburbia wife thing that I think people really want to mm-hmm. project on her. So I peered through a window, a deep portal, time travel, all the love we unravel and the life I gave away. It's like the, the path not taken, right? The path not mm-hmm. taken looks real good now, and it always leads to you in my hometown, right? Yeah. And like... That's so interesting because she's unraveling this love. She's giving up this love. She's breaking it off because he wanted something comfortable and he wanted her to be married and he wanted this, you know, Christmas with the family every year. And she was like, no, I want to chase my fucking bag. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I want to create a career for myself and that's what is important to me. And then, you know, that sort of is a double-edged sword because at the end of the song, it's like, you know, he only thinks of me when he sees me on the TV. And I only think of him when, you know, because I'm somewhat haunted. And I only think of him on midnights like this. Like, it's so, it's reflective and it's self-aware in this way that I think all of the songs on this album really are and are really tapped into. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just really like how it sounds. I'm just... I love, it's it's one of those that I'm reaching towards a lot, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely, this Wait, what was your five again? Glitch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I love. It's just, the, the, like, the sound of it, it is, it gets me every time. Like, I just, I can't oh help but body roll to it. And then, <laughs> I think, oomph made a tweet and said that like oh I might be reaching with this but I thought the same thing which is in the line five seconds later I'm fastening myself to you with a stitch that being a reference to the sewing circle of old Hollywood which was the underground social circle social network of lesbians and bisexual women right it was called the sewing circle and so mm, glitch uh, fastening myself to you with a stitch to me I was like that see which again, it, it it that one's more of a stretch, but I was like, the fact that someone else thought of it as well, and I also heard it, I'm like, hmm, it could be. Right, I'm not super invested in that one, but it makes it fun for me listening to it. To me, it also has the same kind of tongue-in-cheek of dress in, just be friends. And then also the idea of like, I bought this dress just so you could take this off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, there must have been a glitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, like us making out, us hooking up it's just oopsies it's just a glitch my dress just fell you just you're just helping me take off the dress yeah yeah yeah. all friends do right you know my number four is question okay sly my number four is bejeweled i love the intro of the the spark like this song Mm. sounds so sparkly which of course is like the point right she she's Mm -hmm. making the whole room shimmer and she is Mm -hmm. with the song like Mm-hmm. Like it sounds so sparkly and it almost sounds like when you turn on video game consoles from like the 90s yeah. or like the first yeah. DS or like the first Game Boy, like, yeah. or like a Tamagotchi almost like that kind of like yeah. artificial glittery sound. 
is what it sounds like. And I'm like addicted to it. Like in mm. nice. Like it sounds like a yeah. video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> like, does. It, like it sounds such like a 90s, early 2000s video game. And I just love that kind of like playfulness from yeah. her. And also like best believe I'm still mm-hmm. bejeweled. Like mm-hmm. don't don't even think about preying on my downfall. Like mm-hmm. you like you're trying to hate on me, you're trying to catch me slipping, but best believe I'm still bejeweled when I walk in the room. Yep. Yep. What the fuck? Yep. And then also because the dress that she wore when she announced Midnight's was yeah. a bejeweled dress. Yeah, yeah. So it's like best believe I'm still bejeweled when I walk in the room. I can still make this whole place shimmer. And if we look at the, of how she even announced this album is literally that line. Yeah. And then also when I meet the band, they asked, do you have a man? I could still say, I don't remember. What the fuck do you mean there, Taylor? Which also reminds me of, I forgot that you existed, right? When I'm forgetting the lyrics, but it's basically like, don't you have a boyfriend? And she's like, oh yeah, I do. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's like flirting with someone else no oh, that's not and i wait, forgot that on. you existed that's in gorgeous oh you that's right that's right doing? i don't know what yeah yeah do you have a man and then you don't remember it's a yes or no question it, it's the same thing as as when she asked the traffic lights and they were like blinking mm-hmm. uh, and saying i don't know like mm-hmm. it's it's green or it's red like either you can go mm-hmm. or you don't like do you have a man or do you not I don't remember. It's like, who, who's contracted? Who's, which bearding relation? Am mm. I broken up? Am I in a yeah. relationship? Yeah. I don't, I don't actually remember. I'm, are, can, can my assistant tell me if me and Joe are together or not? Because oh, well. I don't remember. I think it's very much the glitz and glam of being Taylor LLC versus mm-hmm. the reality of when I meet the band and they're like, do you have, you know, like, yeah, like, she likes performing as Taylor Swift at the end of the day. It's fun being rich and being able to wear whatever you want. I love it when Taylor Swift has fun and when I get to have fun with her. Mm-hmm. So that's my number four. What's your number three? Well, we haven't talked about question yet, like at all. Oh, question is my 10. The line in question that's like, did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room that like showed up in like fucking Times Square or whatever? And people mm-hmm. were like, what the f- Fuck the 1975 concert, Carly Kloss, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that this song is like about Kissgate. <laughs> Literally. I can't but, believe we have a song. I mean, because we have Dancing with Our Hands Tied, of course, classic Kissgate song. But this one, this one was crazy. This one is crazy. Like, and the thing is, is that now, like, looking back, reading the lyrics now, I'm like, okay, I... I, I guess I see the Hitler vision if you're, like, really committed to, like, thinking that this is, like, you, if the you is a boy, right? Can I ask you a question? And then it's, like, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Like, she's asking these questions about, like, oh. she's, like, interrogating him about leaving another woman's house. And then, oh. yeah. Which is not something that I thought about, obviously, because I was no. like latched onto Kissgate. So, but also, well, I just read all the questions as rhetorical. She's like, "Can I ask you a question? Has this happened to you as well? Because it happened to me." <laughs> like, yeah. No, exactly. I think that you in this song mm-hmm. is her. 
Yes. Like, and I think it's supposed to be read as such. I just Same. don't think, I think that people are head-splanating het it in a way mm-hmm. that is like, you know, I guess expected, but also something that she can rely on every single time because... Yeah. <laughs> because, you know. She can um, write the lyric, I'm gay, and she can rely on a headsplanation for it. Literally. She's writing from the perspective of a gay man, so calm down. In the 1950s, gay meant just happy and whatever, right. so it's actually not a, a queer term. Right. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, that's a lavender gay reference. I didn't really know what the headsplanation of this was, and I wasn't really interested in it, but I was confused as to how it could be red i love the way she starts it off with i remember it's like oh mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 and the fact that she says good girl sad boy why is the boy sad because you left him exactly well Big she's city. the sad boy actually <laughs> wrong choices <laughs> a color i have searched for since reminds me of you showed me colors colors like, no, I, I can't, can't see. yeah 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 if anyone else so it's like colors know. i've searched for Damn, since wow. And you've left, and now I can't see them anymore. Can I ask you a question? Did you have someone kiss you in a crowded room? Because I have. And every single Mm -hmm. one of your friends making fun of you, but 15 seconds later they were clapping you, clapping too. Then what did you do? Because I've done that. Did you leave her Mm -hmm. house in the middle of the night? I've done that. Did you Mm -hmm. wish you'd put up more of a fight when she said it was too much? Mm -hmm. I wish I did. Do you wish you could still touch her? It's just a question. It's like... She's talking to this person, but she's talking to herself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, if, if, if the mm-hmm. you is a guy and he, how would mm-hmm. you, how would Taylor have known that he saw her with some dickhead guy? Like, is this all just delusions in her mind of, of her thinking that he was kissing her in a crowded room and then left her house in the middle of the night? And then how would she have even known the context of like a fight when she said it was too much? if she isn't involved in the situation. So I don't really get, you know what I mean? It doesn't, that that explanation doesn't really make sense to me because how, you know what I mean? Like what? Exactly. That's how I felt. Cause I think, I think I saw a tweet in passing being like, oh, questions is her talking to some, it was like on some big big Taylor account, like doing a thread explaining the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And so, but it was like, just like a couple of lines and I was like, okay, whatever. I, I didn't really get it. So I just didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to try and sit and figure out what the fuck they were saying. That doesn't make sense because so much of the song has details that wouldn't make sense for her to ask someone else if she was not there. But also, I saw this as, like, when you're asking a question for a friend, right? But the Mm -hmm. for friend is a cover because it's actually you. (laughs) You Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, so in that case, once again, the you is Taylor being like, I'm asking a question for a friend. Have you ever had someone kiss you in a crowded room? I, mm-hmm. I, I personally wouldn't know what that's like, but if I were, mm. if hypothetically- I were ever I said, in that situation. I was ever in that situation of, you know, wishing you'd put up more fights uh, when she said it was too much. Like asking for a friend, do you wish that you could still touch her, this person that you're no longer with? Because I haven't experienced that myself. But if right. I if I were, I'd say yes, I do wish that I could still touch yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's a rhetorical question. Okay, it's a way for her to pose something as a question when it is actually a confession. And this right. is—I I wouldn't say that this is a stretch. This is just called reading. This is right, this right, is, right. 
a tactic, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. this isn't us being adding information. Delusional. Yeah, right. being delusional or adding something We're just looking at the there. fucking text, yeah. Yes. And also, I think it's so interesting that she starts her chorus with, can I ask you a question? And then, of course, this is in the context of the song. But, like, that is also such a universe, or kind of, like, universally known term in the queer community of, like, when you get hit uh, with a text yeah. of, can I can ask you a question? question? Like, Are you gay? <laughs> yeah. So, when did you know that you were girls? How did you know that you were girls? How did you know that you were girls? When did you start... So it's like her even playing on the phrase, can I ask you a question to me? And then in the verse, it was one drink after the other fucking politics and gender roles. And you're not sure. (gasps) And I don't know. Got swept away in the gray. Like, obviously gray. gray. Like, black and white. Like, you don't know. It's in between. You're not really sure The liminal space. Right. The lack of color. Right. I just may like to have a conversation. You want to clear that shit up. Right. Mm-hmm. Fucking politics and gender roles. Oh god, that's so. That one, that one made our jaw drops. When no, I heard we were roles. losing our shit. To be quite honest, fucking a blue hair and pronouns and gender. <laughs> literally, literally. Her being dragged down the wedding aisle. Her seeing marriage yep. as that nineteen. And then also shit. politics, as in like you know coming out as a hashtag Democrat in Miss Americana exactly. and the Lover era. Yeah, but I do think that the bridge. Does it feel like everything's just second best after that meteor strike? And what's mm-hmm. that that I heard? That you're still with her? That's nice. I'm sure that's what's suitable and right. But tonight, can I ask you a question? I think that's the most, that's the most explanation proof, right? Because that makes mm. most sense of like asking a former lover like, oh, are you still with that girl that you kissed in the crowded room? But I still mm. think like if the fucking situation, circumstances, miscommunications was like the person having kissed this woman it's just kind of confused because I, I have like, a question for you, Taylor. What does this mean? <laughs> Explain yourself. If it's, if it's not about Kissgate, I don't, I don't understand the plot of the song. But right. with, within the context of Kissgate, what do you, what do you think? And what's that that I heard that you're still with her? I think that is almost speaking to Joshua Kushner, right? No, that's what I think. I think this song is her conversing with. With Josh. It was what mm-hmm. I was going to say, but I wasn't sure if that was too delusional, so I was keeping no, that No, 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 no. Because when I first chest. heard this, I was like, she is speaking to Joshua Kushner, especially when she said, no. with some dickhead guy that you saw that night, that you were on something. It was one drink after another. Fucking politics? I was like, jo- Kushner. Yeah. Kushner. Yeah. Like, married into, like, <laughs> in the Trump family. She's, like, basically rubbing it in his face that, like, I did these things mm-hmm. with her. And you know what? I, yes. you know, does it feel like everything's just, like, second best after that meteor, meteor strike? Like, don't you think you're second best to me, well, dumbass? Also, also, hold on. Pause a million little times, right? Does everything yeah. feel second best? Because Carly said that she would marry mm-hmm. you a million times over. A million over. times over. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We have a million little things. So, actually, mm-hmm. I, I, whatever you got with Carly... Second mm-hmm. best to me, son. And mm-hmm. then... And you're still with her. That's nice. I'm sure that's what's suitable and right. But tonight, let me ask you a question, right? The production of how she delivers, that's... no, nah, Like, it's very it's very teasing. It's very tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. when she says, mm-hmm. that's, that's very nice. Like, yeah. she's, she's saying it's not it in the genuine. way that, like, a little kid repeats. Yeah. Like, when, like, when a little kid says, say sorry, and they're like, 
I'm sorry. Like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it sounds. She sounds like she's mocking. I'm sure that's what's yep. suitable and yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to yeah. not. And then, you know, and then it goes in. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't sound genuine. Which mm-hmm. is why I think, like, she doesn't like the person that. She, yeah. Like, and she's I think, like, about the herself. fact that. And then I think in this ed- part, it's clear it's, that she doesn't right. like that person. She's like transition. She's, she's sort of like the you in question is sort of like moving fluidly between like her mm-hmm. and her past self and also mm-hmm. like the reality that she's living in now in which like you know her ex is with someone else so mm-hmm. and like that's just the situation because she she's like do you wish you could still touch her do you wish don't you wish did you wish you put up more of a fight when she said it was too much it's like why else could it be too much yeah. girl come on yeah but no i love the song and that's why that's why it's my number four but what's your number three my number three is The Great War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My number three is Maroon. Maroon is a crazy ass. <laughs> yeah. You put this on Maroon main. Taylor. You you down. posted you posted this is the second song of the album. The fact that it goes lavender haze into Maroon, I'm like, oh, that is so yummy delicious. Mia Unhinged Lore, aka Dick Van Dyke on TikTok, made a really good breakdown of mm-hmm. why maroon is kaler coded and like all the different references it's making and i don't oh, okay i haven't seen any of said. i'll send it to you but so many of the songs of midnights are related to my tears ricochet right it's like sunlit mm-hmm. room if i'm on fire you'll be made of ashes too ashes is like really present mm. in you're on your own kid till my dying day mm-hmm. swear, i swear i love you to my dying day right and you're the hero flying around saving face and if i'm dead to you why are you at the wake some mm-hmm. to throw some to make a diamond ring again diamond ring marriage diamonds in your eyes ghostly scene mm-hmm. ghosted ghosted room ghosts you wear the same jewels that i gave you ghosts in anti-hero video yeah. as well you wear the same jewels that i gave you as you bury me and here she's like i feel you no matter what the rubies that i gave up like Cause, cause, cause you wear the same jewels well, that also, I gave you as you bury me. Like, oh my gosh. And karma, she, I think it's karma. And also you can aim for my heart, go for blood, blood soaked gown. And of course aim for my heart, like the imagery also an anti-hero. What's the song that has the lyrics? You walk all over my mind in the shoes that I gave to you or that were a gift from me to you. Something like that. Bejeweled. Oh Yeah pretty gendered well and also has the diamonds in my eyes yeah 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 the one i was dancing with in new york no shoes no shoes because you're in your shared apartment together because exactly you're laying on the floor and it's like how do we end up on the floor anyway your roommate's cheap ass screw top rose that's how that's hilarious because the roommate in question is the other person slash you right like Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mark they saw on my collarbone, the rust that grew between telephones, the lips I used to call home. So Scarlet, it was murder. Another home. Oh, God. And the Another mark on my home. collarbone, the rust that grew Girl. between telephones, as in, like, y'all can't talk anymore. Like, oh, my God. So fucking heartbreaking. Because the beginning of the song is just, like, reminiscing on on that shit, on, like, how in love you were, how you were dancing together in New York, barefoot, like... And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, w- the, the fucking bridge, and I wake with your memory over me. That's a real fucking legacy to leave. Like, oh my God, it's just so, like, she just, she tapped into her cancer moon for this shit. Because <laughs> this is too fucking real. Yeah. 
I don't have anything intelligent to say. That's it's just too hashtag real. I do love Maroon, but and we what, can. What was your three? The Great War. My yeah. two is would have, could have, mm-hmm. should have. <gasps> Our ones and twos are switched. Yeah. Because initially I was like, my two, mm-hmm. my two is Lavender Haze. My one is would have, could have, should have. But then I was mm-hmm. like, no. I struggled. Yeah. So yeah. this flip. Yeah. When, yeah. When, I, yeah. when I was making the playlist, we were on Zoom. And then I was like, okay, let me listen over. And I was like, see, I'm already, I was like, I'm already right, editing right, it. Right, 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 right. It was literally switching those two yep, songs. Yep, yep, which is, yep. I started with Lavender Haze as one and would have, could have, should have at, at two. And even as I'm saying these words, I could easily be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Easily be convinced. So good. Switch. And I think for different reasons, because although sonically, yeah. would have, could have, should have is beautiful. Lavender Haze mm-hmm. is crack to my brain. Like, yes. It, like the production the album oh my god goes back around yeah and yeah yeah, again, yeah and i'm yeah. like why why am i even waiting an hour to listen to this song? yeah like, I'm yeah like, when i could listen to this time, the whole time like oh my god every time it comes back around i'm like i think this is the best one i'm yeah, like i like yeah. i'm like i just finished the album and i get back to lavender haze and i'm like yep this is this is the best one yeah yeah <laughs> and it's then just, and then uh, i get to would have could have should have and i'm like Ugh. But is this the, yeah, is this yeah. the best one? It's so heartbreaking. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I just like it's so good. But for what have could have should have like I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil See, at nineteen. Oh my god, that's I, so I think I think it, it it's also I think the listenability of what have could have should have yeah is insane because it, it is yeah, such yeah. a fucking earworm no it like, is like yeah, yeah. Th- not not talking about what she's talking about not even just mm-hmm. talking about like the lyrics like yeah. the words like melodically just, i want to hear it all the time yes it is so good like i think it is, i like the pace of it the second like, half of the song more than i like the first mm-hmm. half like, I think when I hear the opening mm. notes of what, like, when I hear, the reason why I ended up ranking Lavender Haze 1 and What Could Have Should Have 2nd is because when I hear mm-hmm. the first note of Lavender Haze, when I hear Meet Me at Midnight, I'm like, ooh, but when I hear mm-hmm. What Could Have Should Have, it's like, if you would have blinked, then I, then I would have looked away at well, the Well, also glance. starts with the, I'm surprised that you like this song as much as you do, because mm-hmm. I feel like guitar is a, is a pretty prominent yeah. sound and I know song. I know exactly the guitar sound I was Which like I oh. like I was like oh be fucking for real but then I got to further into it I was like oh wait hold on hold on hold on hold on if I never tu- if you never <laughs> touched me I would have gone along with the righteous yeah if I never blushed then they could have never whispered about this and if you never saved me from boredom I could have gone on as I was, but Lord, you made me feel important, and then you tried to erase us. Oh, you're a crisis of my faith. Would have, could have, should have, if I'd only played it safe. Oh my God, this the religious so imagery, is, no, and then was, the regret—the way that she encapsulates mm-hmm. regret and like mm-hmm. the fact that she's like, it was literally fine, and then you fucking came along, like you, you bitch, you cut my knife. I can't. Oh, why did you play with me? Like, the line this that is, I regret you all the time is oh, so, oh, it is. God, so, it's so. 
That shit is too but, fucking real. I'm so sorry. Like, I relate to the song in a way, not because I've been too young in a mm-hmm. toxic relationship, the way that she's writing about mm-hmm. it, but I, I just relate to the song yeah. in a way that's just, like, so, like, oh my god. Like, yeah, never, never... Mm-hmm. One that I I don't give a fuck wars like I never gotten over anything like the wounds are mm-hmm. the, the wound won't close I keep waiting for a mm-hmm. sign I regret you all the time what the fuck anyway and it also is yeah. so like CPTSD coded like religious childhood trauma like mm-hmm. like give me back my girlhood it was mine first like I think like for me it's like you and like the people who raised you you and like what mm-hmm. I regret you all the time and I can't let this go I fight with you in my sleep like god rest my soul I miss who I used to be like it's like there's this very pivotal moment of shift and change as well mm-hmm. and it's like I damn sure never would have danced with the devil. Like, oh my god, it's so, like, it, it makes me want to square dance. <laughs> I was gonna say, it almost, this is her daddy's lessons. Yes. In a way. Yes. Almost. Yes. For me, shifts would have, could have, should have into first over Lavender Haze mm-hmm. is the religious imagery. Like, the yeah. way that yeah. she uses the her religious language yeah. uh, peppered throughout this. Yeah. To me, I mean, initially, that's why tough. it was my number one for so long. And then today, yeah. I was listening to Lavender Haze, and I was like, <sighs> I don't... Every, I'm just, oh, my God. Every time... But also, I think it's such a compliment to Lavender Haze. Yeah. Because I'm such a sucker for religious imagery that the fact that it can rival would have, yeah. could have, should have yeah, with yeah, how yeah. good of a song it is to me. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, to me, the fact that it can even enter the debate should yeah. be why it's number one. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, like, the thing is, is that lyrically, Lavender mm-hmm. Hayes isn't doing that much. You know what I mean? No, like, yeah. lyrically, would have, could have, should have is doing e- hell and high Everything. water. Literally. Hell yes. and high water. Like, like <laughs> yes. we're, she takes us there and there. Yeah. Lavender Hayes, it, it's the opener to the album. Like, it sets the fucking tone, and boy, does it. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. like, Lavender Hayes, like, she really is saying, like, Oh God, it's just so like I and I think the reason why also I think that it's number one for me is because I'm not even in my hashtag, I'm not in a lavender haze. You know what I mean? Like I'm not mm-hmm. experiencing what she's talking about experiencing, but I it's just so it draws me in it's so much good that I'm like song. I'm what like when I do experience this I will be mm-hmm. listening. You know what I mean? The way that on yeah. reputation I'm like. Like, when I'm, like, okay, when I'm hashtag in love, I'm, like, okay, yeah, exactly. Like, literally me and my reputation era. Mm -hmm. Like, this song, I think, is is the liminal space between reputation and, like, Uh lover. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, and it's so, I love it so much for that, you know? Because I love those two albums so fucking much. But because Midnight's is, like, a mashup of those in the best Mm -hmm. way possible, with, like, mm-hmm. the lyricism of, like, folklore. And mm-hmm. I'm just, like, this is just so perfect to me. And so, so everything. And my new favorite Taylor album. And, mm-hmm. wow, she just, she did it again. It's true. It's true. Also, I just love the feeling, or I feel the Lavender Haze creeping up on me. There's something about, like, like creep being the yeah. verb there. Like, that is also, it's very, like, Monster on the Hill. Yep, like, it's yep. like this, it's this 
element of like slight grotesque and darkness that is always in her quote-unquote positive song right she's bejeweled but it's also like mm-hmm. very mirable this double-edged sword like and also creeping up on me and then surreal like surrealism as a genre to like plug that yeah. in but is so crazy i'm damned if i do give a damn what people say right so then we we even almost have like religiousness there right of being damned yeah for sure and then also like the possible play on words of lavender haze gays gays homosexuals Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm is is interesting and then also just like the production of it like i i also love the sound of this yeah and then again i think it's so crazy how like in the thing she said weird rumors and that kicked off lavender gate right Mm -hmm. and dealers were like the weird rumors are like it's weird that you guys say that she's married and pregnant and has had kids more than it is us calling her gay and mm-hmm. then the song actually comes out and it actually is about yeah <laughs> the and the whole album is about her talking about how she doesn't want to fucking get married that you'd have to yes. drag her down the aisle by her fucking feet yes that the, that the p- white picket screaming. fences are knives yeah. that she's dancing around. Like, are you guys fucking yes. serious right now? Why are there still tabloids talking about whether she's married or has babies or has miscarried mm-hmm. or not? Again, it, I think it's an evolved version of, like, reputation and lover and folklore in that way because it's about mm-hmm. being in love, reminiscing on past loves, and falling in mm-hmm. love again, and all these different stages of it, right? Because that's conceptually what lover is about, like the different types of love and different ways that you, you get, find yourself in it. And reputation is about mm-hmm. being in love in the midst of chaos, in the midst of being hated by everyone in the world and needing the privacy of that, needing the secrecy of that. This album is about the secrecy of this relationship and like the emotional pivotal moments of like your inner self that we see so much of in folklore, especially in relationship to other people. Like, and it's just so like, a lot of people are fucking with this album and a lot of people are not fucking with this album, but I think the types of Mm -hmm. people who are is very interesting because there's a lot of like folklore people people who like were really into folklore who hate this album and really dislike it. And I was like, well, okay, that's just because you don't like pop music. And then there are people who are like hardcore Swifties who really enjoy this album because it sounds like some of her older stuff. And then I think there are mm-hmm. music critics who are saying that it seems like an attempt to revisit a previous self that she, like, hasn't... That, like, is... Feels like, um... I think the New York Times wrote a review of it that was saying that... Hold on. Let's let's go look at reviews of the... And get pissed off at reviews. Okay, album review. Taylor Swift, Caught Between Yesterday and Tomorrow on Midnight's. The singer-songwriter's 10th studio album returns to the pop sound she left in 2019 and explores the familiar subject how she is perceived and how she perceives herself. Taylor Swift has always been at her best when writing about Taylor Swift. She is diaristically pinpoint, a ruthless excavator of her own internal tugs of war. But she also thrives when writing about quote unquote Taylor Swift, the idea, the meta narrative, the character. Swift sees the world around her and rather than shut it off, she absorbs it, making those points of view her own too, kind of. It's those songs that stand out on Midnight's, her overly familiar sounding and spotty 10th studio album, which is in places a careful recitation of raw love, in others a flashback to past romantic indignities, but maybe most pointedly, sorry if you can hear my computer literally lifting off and flying into the air, but (laughs) I fear it's just gonna buzz, but maybe most pointedly and effectively a commentary on what it feels like 
to live as a deeply observed figure, constantly narrativized by others. Did you hear my covert narcissism I disguise as altruism, like some kind of congressman? Swift muses on Antihero, an eerily shimmering Kate Bush-esque number that one of the, that's one of the album's high points. Tale as old as time, at the hook, she returns again and again to the eye roll self-own. I'm the problem, it's me. In the song's video, Swift tosses back drinks with a more exuberantly unhinged version of herself, a third giantess Swift hovers over the proceedings, bumbling and lightly melancholy. On Mastermind, the album's sparkly closer, she paints her villain origin story, if you're inclined to see her as a villain. No one wanted to play with me as a little kid, so I've been scheming like a criminal ever since, to make them love me and make it seem effortless. Into each pop star life, some outside perspective must intrude, and Swift has spun gold from that raw material. But there are limitations to that approach, and Swift has hit a junction all superstars eventually arrive at, whether to continue to reckon with the past or to forge boldly into the future. On this count, Swift is mainly looking backwards on Midnight, an album that often plays like an extension of her 2019 LP Lover, which was similarly inconsistent, though fuller sounding. The songs here are filled to the brim with syrupy synths, giving the album an astral slow motion effect, as if Swift were trapped in a reverb chamber. After a handful of albums that felt like pivots ranging from soft to hard, Bonkers Pop on 1989, relatively edgy experimentation on reputation, earthy pandemic isolation character studies on folklore and evermore, Midnight's feels like a concession to an older, safer idea of Swift, full of songs that are capable and comfortable, but often insufficient. Sometimes her old mode serves her well. On Karma, a largely dim song with an aggressively plastic sound, there's a twinkle in her voice towards the end when she exhales, Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you it's not? On the woozy question, she's equally taught. What's that that I heard that you're still with her? That's nice. I'm sure that's what's suitable. But some of the lyrics mm -hmm. can be lackluster and bluntly imagistic, with little of the detail that made Swift one of the signature pop songwriters of the 21st century. Don't put me in the basement when I want the penthouse of her heart. She sings on the metallic and intense bejeweled. Snow on the Beach, a collaboration with fellow great American songwriter Lana Del Rey, begins with light Christmas music energy and never really ascends. Del Rey excels at a kind of rumbling oozy stasis. It's like the ecstasy of being caught in a spider's web, but Swift's vocals are a mite too cherry to achieve the same effect. Perversely though, much of the rest of Midnight's, which was produced by Swift with her regular collaborator Jack Antonoff, constrains her voice. Throughout the album, on songs like You're On Your Own, Kid, and Maroon, Swift's vocals are stacked together to the point of suffocation. Only on Sweet Nothing, the romantic playground lullaby Swift wrote with her longtime romantic partner Joe Alwyn, the actor who uses the pen name William Bowery, does she approach her signature wide-eyed vulnerability. A couple songs point away out of the fog. The fleet, breezy, and lightly damp Lavender Haze includes some sweet singing, though it feels overly reminiscent of the thumping digital folk of Maggie Rogers' Alaska. And the album's high point is Vigilante Shit, a slinky, moody, electro-cabaret exhale about an antagonist that teems with narrative verve. Draw the cat, eye sharp enough to kill a man. You did some bad things, but I'm the worst of them. Here, Swift is leaning into the character version of herself. It's funny, wry, and slightly perturbing. Swift at her self-referential apex. Apart from her pandemic pivot to the bucolic, Swift has been devoting time to re-recordings of her old albums, an offshoot of the ownership battle spurred by the sale of her old masters. Such energy might be good for business, but bad for art. Perhaps similarly, Midnight's by and large feels like a fuzzy Xerox of old accomplishments. At 3am Friday, Swift released seven bonus songs, which are comparatively chaotic. Of the new songs, only Glitch and Would've, Could've, Should've aren't subtractive. There is, perhaps, a slightly more cynical read to the sonic choices of Midnight. Swift hasn't toured since 2018, after reputation. The songs from Lover have never seen a big stage, and the songs from Folklore and Evermore largely weren't designed for one. Midnight's feels like a sonic placeholder with stadiums in mind. 
Which all prompts the question of where Swift might go as a mid-career pop star, if she were to pivot once more. Many of the other avenues currently open don't apply to her. The emotionally icy new disco of Dua Lipa, a vocal and culturally flexibility that would allow her to freely collaborate with Latin or K-pop stars. There are songs in Midnight's, Midnight Rain, Lavender Haze, that suggests an awareness of the way Drake and The Weeknd have deployed overcast mood in their vocal and musical production, though she rarely commits. There are also some not wholly cogent pitch-shifted vocals, and she rather stead steadfastly has resisted a return to country or pop country or country pop. But a template for such a perspective-twisting album already exists. It's called Reputation, and Swift released it in 2017. It was, at the time, somewhat derided and deeply wrong at that. Rarely has Swift sounded so amused, so aggrieved, so willing to reckon with the chasm between herself perception the perception of everyone else. It was a rowdy, sticky, unrelentingly clever album in which Swift took on herself and also the world. Taylor Swift, quote unquote, bring her back. That's the New York Times mm -hmm. review. Interesting. I definitely think we're smarter than the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> but what's new? This is from Rain Quan Fisher. Rain Fisher Kwan, sorry, keep fucking up her name, from on Next Magazine, the subtitle, The Ever Innovative Artist Rehashes Old Memories and Old Sounds. She says that the sound is layered, distorted vocals ruminate over synth pop production. If you like Lord Bleacher's Lana Del Rey, why you should listen. In Midnight's, Taylor Swift takes a look back at sleepless nights throughout her life and draws inspiration from past musical moments as well. The record expands on the sounds developed on lover, reputation, and folklore, injecting new emotions into old memories and taking us on a tour through Swift's darkest thoughts. Best track, you're on your own, kid. In Taylor Swift's intimate Miss Americana documentary, the world's biggest pop star revealed for the first time the guiding principle that defined her life in the spotlight. My entire moral code is a need to be thought of as good, she admits, providing context for many of her greatest controversies, from her longtime political neutrality to the accusations of inauthenticity that dogged her for years. For decades, Swift has been singularly motivated by a desire to be, to be perceived as one of the good girls, and it's torn her apart. Her new album, Midnight's, is perhaps her most notable rebellion against the pressures that have controlled her life. In the synthy brooding album dedicated to 13 sleepless nights through her career, Swift pens a story of her life that paints her as a villain, victim and victor in equal measure. The wide-eyed small-town girl looking for a fairy tale ending hasn't been stricken from the record completely, but now she's just one part of the puzzle that is Taylor Swift. In Midnight's, her perfect persona is joined by a neurotic loner, a cheater, a scheming control freak, a vengeful femme fatale, a self-hating masochist, and a woman mourning the girl she used to be. She writes about her struggles with disordered eating for the first time, with realism and sorrow that feel like a knife to the heart. I hosted parties and starved my body, like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. She also delves into self-hatred, childhood trauma, and her desire for control. Swift has gestured at these aspects of herself before, but they've never been as unfiltered or as explicit as they are in Midnight. It's refreshing and genuinely impressive for an artist who spent most of her life chasing moral and ideological perfection. Swift's vulnerability is interrupted only by an uncharacteristic intellectualization of her own emotions. For all its raw and bone-chilling moments, the album is rife with clinical self-awareness that often make it sound, for better or worse, like a transcribed therapy session. Nobody wanted to play with me as a little kid, so I've been scheming like a criminal ever since to make them love me, writes Swift on Mastermind, analyzing her desire for control. In another track, she writes, when my depression works the graveyard shift, all the friends I've ghosted stand in there in the room. And so on the beach, a frankly underwhelming use of Lana Del Rey's heavily anticipated voice and pen, she sings that life is emotionally abusive. This of-the-moment therapy speak is a classic example of telling, not showing, and it's a stylistic departure for Swift that gets in the way of what her songwriting has always done best. 
getting us to feel her emotions right along with her. Her music has always excelled at unleashing a tsunami wave of feeling, sweeping every listener in its path up into a whirlpool of tragedy, fury, and all-encompassing infatuation. But rather than evoking these emotions, some of the lines of Midnight's just tell us in literal terms that she's feeling them. It creates a kind of disconnect that's a microcosm of the album's missteps. For the first time ever, Swift is having trouble connecting with her audience. For an album that takes us through some of the most fraught moments of Swift's life, the songs don't reliably reach the visceral highs and lows that's brought us to in the past. However, this just makes the album's highlights all the more unforgettable. You're On Your Own Kid is a soft nostalgic masterpiece that highlights some of her most honest songwriting yet, with cinematic production that drives every word straight into your bones. The bonus track Would've Could've Should've, a song about Swift's relationship with a much older John Mayer, is a remarkable moment, a raw screaming triumph of a track that rivals Dear John, her first and most iconic song about Mayer. In the track's closing bridge, she sings I regret you all the time, again and again. It's a gut punch of a lyric, as evocative and emotional as she's ever been. When she sings, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first. It's impossible to listen to the shaking rage in her voice without full body chills. It makes me wonder why the song was relegated to a bonus slot. Swift has said she felt it didn't fit into the Midnight's concept, but it's undeniably a standout on the album, if not one of her best songs yet. Paris, another bonus track, is a delightfully glittery track that feels like a spiritual successor to New Romantics, a cult favorite with a similarly wry, winking attitude. In fact, many tracks of Midnight's read like expansions of one she's written before. Usually she moves forward, crafting a brand new persona with every new release. Here she looks back, refining and expanding on sounds she crafted in 1989 Lover Folklore Reputation. These songs were reportedly written over several years, so what fe might feel like a regression is perhaps more like a time capsule, but despite the album's undeniable successes, the months-long build up an excessive world building may have prepared her audience for something other than what they got. At their best, the tracks here are perfected versions of the themes she's toyed with in the past. At their worst, they border on bland, void of conviction or originality. With tight production, impressive honesty, and no real lulls in the lineup, Midnight's is an album that would have been a formidable addition to any pop artist catalog. It's unfortunate that when added to Swift's musical canon, the artist known for relentless self-reinvention falls slightly short of her own inimitable hype machine. When judged on its own, though, the album strength shines through. The synthy 80s inflection production is an adventurous move that feels fresh and fun. The songwriting style that dominates the album is conversational and wordy in a way that always works. It feels intimate, raw, and clever, never jumbled or awkward. More importantly, it represents a philosophical step forward for Swifts that's far from tired, a departure from the need to be seen as infallibly good, and a step into real complexity and impurity that's more interesting than almost anything she's done before. So that's Rain's article and rain mm -hmm. is 21 and she yeah. and i are like friends mutuals ish li querying the liminal liminal space between oomph and <laughs> Woo anyway but yeah i her review is a lot better than the new york times one for sure listener take a shot every time sunny and i make up the most insane liminal space where we just put <laughs> the liminal space between and then just the two most insane things <laughs> that's been that's been that's been our new tag of recent yeah sunny and i've really gotten into liminal spaces recently. <laughs> yeah you could say that we're querying the liminal space of the liminal space <laughs> space of, of being a little space little and being normal. <laughs> I don't think anyone
don't want to come listen to us and be like, these bitches are normal. Like, please. No one can inter- no one can spend three hours unpacking the Taylor Swift album from a Gaylor perspective and be hashtag mm-hmm. normal. Like True. But it's like it's so it's so important for us though. No, it literally is. And also I think a fan favorite and also based off of our Spotify stats, I don't know if you guys know this, like as listeners. A little but behind the scenes news. Yeah, let me check how many Spotify listeners we have currently. I haven't looked recently. Because we get a wrap up, like a yearly wrap up the way mm-hmm. that everyone does the Spotify wrapped. Oh yeah, we're gonna get our second Spotify wrapped. Yeah, because last year we had one and it was really fun. Yeah, so we have 27,000 listeners and we have 16,700-ish followers on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because our Lavender Haze, we have 45 episodes in total so far, and our Lavender Haze Mm -hmm. episode has had 2,000-ish starts and like 1,000-ish listeners and our Midnight Announcement mm. episode has, like, 2,600-ish starts and, like, 1,000-ish listeners as well. So... OMG. Yeah, but I think our, our fan favorite... We have 5,000 starts on our Biphobia discourse. Yeah. 2,500 listeners on that one. Of course. And of course we do. I was going to say, I was like, our fan favorite isn't even a fan favorite. Our fan favorite is fueled our by haters. the haters. By the like, haters and the literally, ops. Literally. The haters and ops, I feel. <laughs> I think the Gaylor blind mm-hmm. items and intimacy of female friendship one is probably our fa- is probably the one that has most lists. Oh, no, the the do did we like solar power one is five thousand listens and thirty eight hundred listeners or so five thousand starts and thirty eight hundred. Which is funny because like you don't even agree with your opinions on that one. Anymore. No, exactly. I was gonna say I think that's so funny because that was in a time when I didn't like solar power and now I love solar yeah. power. <laughs> Oh, okay, but our most listened to episode is Compulsory Heterosexuality, mm-hmm. Red, Taylor's Version, Ranking and Review, and Defending Taylor Swift Against the Haters, which is 74,000 starts and 3,700 listeners. So... What the fuck? Yeah. And so basically, like, I and when I was talking to people who listen to the podcast, I think people have brought up the red episode and been like oh I really enjoyed that breakdown and like I loved hearing your guys's thoughts on like that album mm-hmm. and obviously like because this episode is like three hours plus at this point you know we couldn't have mm-hmm. discussed a hot take and also done recommendations as oh. we usually do it, no fucking way it would have been a full American workday shift if no we, <laughs> we, we would have had to have been taxed for our time if we tried to do that no literally but, I mean, I guess the hot take is just these reviews. I mean, what do you think of these reviews? Well, the New York Times one, we're definitely, yeah, we're, we're smarter than the dude who wrote that, for sure. But- I like it more than the New York Times one, for sure. I think calling this sound, like, a new exploration is interesting, because in the same article, the 80s synth sound, which is so reminiscent of 1989, which I think a lot of people see. Have, like, I think, picked up on, like, yeah. Yeah, and I did too. I think it definitely, there, in terms of, like, the content is less reminiscent of 1989, just yeah, because sure. 1989 is too happy. It's yeah, too, and it's all, because it's, she just moved to New York. Like, she's just exactly. exploring pop. She's just, like, she's just broken out of, Exactly. So, yeah. it's like, it, I think 1989 is her starting the adventures, really, like, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed you know yeah. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is her and like reflecting on that shit 
after exactly, she's and this is her it. after all of the aftermath of it, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's because she's staying up till midnight like, talking about that. Which is why it's so like folklore coded and like folklore lover rep and lover, yeah. Because I was like, OMG, like 1989, 1989, and then I went to listen to some of these songs in in context and comparison, right? Yeah. And I was like, this actually isn't, it's still 1989's older sister, but more spiritually than mm-hmm. like when you actually listen to it. I'm like, oh, these actually, it's even within the 80s synth pop, it's kind of like different. I don't think she's going like necessarily outside of her comfort zone with this. I think both of the yeah. articles have some critiques in a way on the production of it, right? How her vocals yeah. are perceived to be competing with some of the production yeah i don't hold that opinion but what do you think about yeah i mean i think that the production like she's worked with like we talk about this in the immediate like reaction as well because the collaborators that she's like posted about in her you know like on her instagram and stuff we know that people Mm -hmm. who worked on renaissance and people who've worked with like chance the rapper and whomever else have Mm -hmm. worked on this album with her and like so Mm -hmm. really for the first time in her career she's like working with black artists and people who Mm -hmm. work with black artists and that's why this album sounds so different in Mm -hmm. so many ways like she's using production in a way that like Mm -hmm. is unfamiliar to what we have heard from her before because even reputation Mm -hmm. it was like she was working with like a swedish pop type guy right like he was you know and so this is different and something that she talks about in miss americana which of course rain sort of opens the essay with is Mm -hmm. like about being a female artist is you constantly have to reinvent yourself and Mm -hmm. i think with midnights she's really taking a different approach and not doing that by mm-hmm. not making this necessarily a different era. She's making it self-referential because she's already created this huge fucking empire around herself and her persona and her identity and mm-hmm. Taylor Swift quote unquote that everyone knows her discography to on some level everyone knows her reputation era like like people know what her song mm-hmm. sounds like so yeah. with this it's like she's referential to that and she's obviously acknowledging how she is perceived in this way that because there's all this context and this is literally TS10 like inherently it's going to be less new and she talks about this with like you know nothing new as well I think like with the vault track of nothing new that recontextualizes so much of her career in a way that almost sort of it reframes her, her Miss Americana and nothing new are things that reframe every criticism of her in yeah. a way, and also the master situation, and yeah. also the post reputation, like aftermath, like where we, and also like Kanye's behavior in this 2020s <laughs> situation, has yeah. all vindicated Taylor in a way that, like, most of the criticisms of her now are more grounded in, I think, like, or a lot of the fair criticisms, criticism of her are 
grounded in like a reality that they previously really were not you know and like it also has to do with her being like an older and more mature artist and more self-aware person and of course it reflects in like what her music sounds like i think part of the reason why people thought that this album was going to sound markedly different from and not be pop like you know people were like okay this is going to be very fleetwood mac like 70s you know of course with the aesthetic Mm -hmm. is because people are expecting a new sound from her they think with every album and we did too like we people the expectation is now that with everything that she drops she's gonna have a new look a new sound a new era a new like Mm -hmm. with how rain ended the article like what she's really she's pushing back against that but being more vulnerable Mm -hmm. in her music and also by not letting herself fall into misogynistic and exploitative ways that the industry is like set up to be which I think is also launched and enabled by the master situation because like she has won and been celebrated for winning like the sexual harassment lawsuit and like is really being very successful with these re-recordings and very celebrated Mm -hmm. for it and like no one has done this before exactly no other artist has gone back and re-recorded whole albums like this before and she's really paving the way for like musicians to be able to own their own work and in a way that's like so groundbreaking and like you know and I think like she has also in speeches and interviews and stuff has always said like the the thing like I think I'm quoting her directly she's saying the thing that I say to new artists all the time is write your own music like your greatest strength Mm -hmm. is your songwriting capabilities that is what is going to sustain you in this industry and that's always what sustains me and like I do think that the whole what Rain is saying about like the removed intellectualizing like therapy talk bits of her of this album are sort of mm-hmm. like a product of her being 32 fucking years old you know what i mean like like yeah. she's not in she's not 20 being like wow i'm so fucking mad at this guy for leaving me she's not writing all yeah. too well being like i remember it all too well that scarf blah 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 she's like she's like yeah i he sees me on the screen and you know sometimes i think about him but whatever like it's yeah it's more self-reflective and inherently more intellectualizing because i think even for me as a person like now in the understanding that my past selves and my past like interactions with the world and experiences in the world were colored by mental illness and like psychological disorders. Like I can better (laughs) be able to be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that was literally just depression. Like that was just my anxieties and like self-hatred. Like that was just, that's what it was. And so, Yeah. yeah, like that's, that's why the writing of it is going to be telling and not, and not necessarily showing because so much of her career has been showing so much of it has been vulnerable in showing exactly how what how things have played out and it's like Mm -hmm. really hurt her in a lot of ways I think like of course the New York Times article goes into it more in which like it's it's kind of aware that she is playing with her public persona and talk this album is very much about the way that she talks about Taylor like herself and Mm -hmm. Taylor you know, LLC. Exactly. 
in many ways, this album is both much more vulnerable and breaking out of her shell. And in other ways, she's like protecting herself in so many different capacities. And just as an album, like emotionally and like in how I feel about it and when I listen to it, I just like, I just really, really love it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, but yeah, that Same. that's, that's, that's I, what I think, yeah. One thing that's interesting that we haven't talked about, we haven't talked about it because we're not a part of this school of thought, is Midnight's is so related to folklore and Evermore, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The lyrical prowess has not, has, has not waned, not regressed has not gone away. at all, no way. Yeah, no, and despite what other people think. But I think it's so interesting that talking about, like, Taylor Swift LLC, right, the, what, what she says, is folklore and Evermore is supposed to be fictional albums, Something that we do not believe yeah. of her. Or like what she's and presented Midnight's, it as, right? And Midnight's is and about Midnight's, like her pacing at Midnight's. <laughs> like that's how she's presented exactly. it. It's so personal. Like you can't say that, oh, Maroon is from the male perspective. We see so many motifs and so many plot lines that either were continued in Folklore and Evermore that we're saying, look, she's talked about this before. This can't be fictional. And people being like, no, no, no. She said it's fictional. Okay, but now we're out of the hashtag fiction era and we're back into the deeply personal. And she's still talking about these same things. She's still talking about My Tears Ricochet and Tolerate It and Tis the Damn Season and Gold Rush. Like, all of the, and The One and The Lakes and Seven and <laughs> all of these things. So it's like, what do you mean? And then also we have seen things that people have taken as God's honest truth that were actual works of fiction <laughs> from, you know, her previous albums, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting that people aren't looking back over necessarily what we've been told is fictional and what we've been told is real and considering how that what reframes that delineation her is. albums as yes. like bodies of work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Queering the liminal space. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fiction and reality, indeed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and Taylor Swift truly does queer that liminal mm -hmm, space. Mm -hmm. She must. So I think she's fucking Taylor Swift. Exactly. I think it's interesting looking at Taylor, like Taylor Swift as an orator, right? As as the the teller of oral story. When is she talking about herself? When is she? creating fiction because she's a writer right mm -hmm. and when is she selling us a fantasy when is she selling us what we want to think is real versus something that she's uh telling us with the intentionality of us knowing that it's not real like all of these different songs albums eras that taylor swift has gone in and out of i think is so interesting and it's also why she's like infinitely interesting for us to talk about that's why we can talk about Taylor Swift every single day for almost two years and still have new things to say and not get bored and, mm -hmm. you know, freak yeah. out and have the reactions we do listening to her new album, even though we've been listening to her entire discography every single day for years. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear us in an upcoming episode, which will be about something completely unrelated. So if you don't give a fuck about Taylor Swift, you know, Sorry. So <laughs> you'll, sorry you'll, there'll be the, other things. Yeah. No, sorry for the past, yeah. like, you know, three months. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, bye. Thanks for listening. Mwah. Bye.